If you're into designer furniture and you want the sofa that broke the internet, you don't have to go broke to get it. Because Designer Looks Furniture has all the same styles and trends and all the quality, but without the designer prices. Check them out. Designer Looks at American Signature Furniture or designerlooks.com. Hey everyone, welcome back to the Fantasy Football X podcast. My name is Mung. Hey everyone, it's Los. Week one is almost in the books, heading into week two. Um crazy week i guess i always say that after week one don't i yeah a lot of uh, a lot of injuries this week especially hamstring injuries i feel like that's the theme of week one gotta drink more water guys come on i know i know you didn't have much preseason but prepare yeah and we knew that kind of getting back to game speed was going to be an issue for a lot of teams without you know a proper training camp and off season and preseason games and just the usual routine and uh one of my biggest week one takeaways was that the lack of preseason seems to be hurting defenses a lot more than the offenses in terms of preparedness over uh you know over the nine games hit the over excuse me versus just four just five uh hitting the under so far before the monday night games and it's not necessarily a given going into week two but i think we could see a lot of offensive records get broken this season especially with the majority of stadiums having zero fans or very few fans in the stands for at least the first few games sure i think that stands to reason i think that's pretty pretty uh pretty reasonable i mean the the offense they come in with a game everybody's a game plan but they come in with set plays they know what's going to happen the defense reads and reacts i mean some some defensive coordinators are more aggressive they send blitz packages send run blitz packages but uh regardless of that you still have to react to what you're seeing so knowing what's going to happen versus reacting the the knowing is always going to be a half step ahead at least especially when you're talking about you know prime prime athletes and then the defense always you know that 12th man right you'd have a 12th man when you have loud uh, loud audience i guess chris collinsworth thinks it's just as loud now as it uh, as it was last year but i don't know how many uh, quarterbacks or o-linemen agree with that right and it doesn't seem to uh, have helped big ben so far at least uh he has not been having the greatest road game no he certainly has not but uh hey the giants are a stout defense don't clip that. That's 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 phony. <laughs> yeah. Um, I guess we'll kick off the show. Uh, I was thinking about it, and I had a really good call this week and one really bad call that I just wanted to go over real quick. I told a lot of people on Twitter Saturday and Sunday morning to uh, bench Brian Edwards despite the hype. He was always going to be competing for targets with Waller and Ruggs and Renfro, even after that Tyrell Williams injury. And Edwards ended up playing 75% of the snaps on offense, and that is encouraging to keep him as a sash on the bench, but just one target all game, uh, that's not great. He should continue to stay on fantasy benches for right now. And then on the flip side, I unfortunately told someone, and I know you'll get after me on this, to start Gronk over Goddard this past week at tight end. Uh, I, I know you'll want that early victory lap on our Gronk bet. Uh, taking no, I the don't under. take victory laps. We'll just see what happens. <laughs> we will see. Uh, we, to, as a reminder to you guys, we did bet uh, over under six and a half touchdowns for Gronk this year. That's I a, do wish that... 
I was more so proving a point in taking that line. That's that is such a trash line to give me, Mung. You do realize that. Like he could very easily score seven touchdowns, eight touchdowns, and be the worst tight end start in the entire league. You know, six and eight. So, so I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna renege. I'm not coming off of it or anything. But uh, you know, it's a trash bet. The point is that he is not startable any week. Well, uh, I guess we'll agree to disagree on that one, but um, <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about the Tampa Bay Buccaneers for sure when we get to our previews in just a few minutes. And as we mentioned on the last podcast ep- episode, we are going to try something a little different this season. Uh, we're not going to go through the game-by-game recaps. Uh, you know, we feel like most of our listeners are pretty tuned in to all things football, so we don't necessarily need to talk about every stat line. But, of course, we will still bring up any relevant news and events from those games. But we're going to try and focus more on the coming week previews and and how that helps you. And we'll talk a little bit about what happened this past week and how that can be projected forward. uh, Or if if events cannot be reliably projected forward. But uh, we'll still run through all the fantasy relevant injury news, the waiver wire ads at the end. Uh, but really we want to focus on these previews and help you with your lineup decisions and your waiver ads for uh, the coming week and try not to dwell in the past so much, so to speak. And we'll kick it off uh, with our usual Gillette close shave of the week. After enduring much ridicule this offseason, Bears quarterback Mitch Trubisky was off to a rough start on the road in Detroit. The Bears I'm sure much ridicule in the first three and a half quarters too, right? Yeah, and I said off-season, but really for a few years now. Um, but in this game, the Bears trailed 23-6 to after three quarters, and Trubisky had thrown for less than 100 yards and no touchdowns to that point. But a couple of Detroit errors allowed Chicago back into the game, and Trubisky threw three touchdowns in the final quarter, finishing the game with over 200 yards en route to a 27-23 to comeback win by the Bears guaranteeing that Mitch lives to see another week as the starter in Chicago. Take the Gillette uh, Shave Advisor quiz online to find the best razor designed for you and shave with your team with NFL-themed razors. Gillette, it's the best a man can get. I know last week, might have been two weeks ago, I said that if I ever saw Cordero Patterson. Nope, that's not the name. Yeah. Nope. Well, yeah, Cordero Patterson in on fourth and one for the Bears. Again, I'd never watch another snap of Bears football. Um, I think I'm taking that one away. But if I see another performance like this from Mitch where I'm just angry for three quarters and then have a heart attack in the final seconds of the game, I don't think I'm going to survive watching another game of Bears football. I think I think the decision is going to be taken away from me. Yeah, it was certainly ugly on uh, on both sides. Uh, I don't remember the exact stat, but this is not the first by any means uh, of blown leads by Detroit. There will be more to come if uh, Matt Patricia decides to switch to that, that prevent defense in the fourth quarter. I, I mean, that was just ludicrous. How do you see that keep happening and just let it let it stay? Well, it's not like he was hired for his defensive acumen, right? Stop hiring Belichick's underlings. I mean, we've seen it time and again, but another story for another podcast. Indeed, we could uh, get into a whole show about that, but let's move on to the previews. Uh, 
Thursday night football, Cincinnati at Cleveland. It's going to be the battle for Ohio, and I'm not talking about Biden versus Trump in November. Rather, it's Burrow versus Mayfield here. And the rookie quarterback hasn't thrown for any touchdowns yet, but he did run for one against the Chargers. I think he's a matchup play here with some rushing upside, but I would probably avoid him again in week one. The Browns have a pretty decent defense when they're not facing the reigning MVP, and it's kind of disappointing to see that the Bengals are still not utilizing Mixon well as a pass catcher, opting instead to throw to Gio Bernard on third downs. So until we see more of that receiving work for Mixon, he's kind of capped as an RB2 in most weeks. It was encouraging to see AJ Green on the field again. He looks good, but Burrow spread the ball around against LA as he did at LSU, and I don't know that any Bengals receiver or tight end is going to be a consistent producer in this offense, but Green is a decent wide receiver three option this week. He did have a touchdown taken away by an offensive pass interference penalty, and Tyler Boyd, I have him as a low-end flex as well. As for the tight ends, CJ Uzelmo is involved, but hardly a reliable option, and I've got him as just a low-end tight end too until he finds the end zone. I think we're talking about a different game if uh, that, I think, terrible offensive pass interference call wasn't made. I think we're talking about A.J. Green as a solid wide receiver, too. If we take that call away, I think we're talking about Joe Burrow as a solid streaming option. I would shy away from it as the second week of the uh, young rookie's career, even though I love the player. Um, I think he's a lot got a lot of upside going forward, but I would just hold off for another week. The L.A. Chargers are not a slouch of a defense. I think they're probably better uh, than the Browns' defense. So I, I was pretty impressed with Joe Burrow and the and the offensive output. Um, A.J. Green, I think he's a very solid wide receiver three. Probably have wide receiver two style numbers this week. Uh, they do not have. I mean, they have what Joe Hayden, but they do not have somebody of the talent uh, talented. Uh, you know, of Casey Hayward Jr. matching up against A.J. Green. So I think he's much better than that. Yeah, I just, I'm still not to the point where I can trust Burrow quite yet. Uh, maybe in a super flex or two quarterback league if, if you're going that deep, but certainly not in one QB formats. Fair enough. All right, let's move along then to uh, the Cleveland side here. And oof. Kareem Hunt's got more carries and more targets and more receptions than Nick Chubb against Baltimore. Los, uh, are you panicking if you have Chubb on your fantasy roster? I am cool as a cucumber. Okay, and why is that? Because this was a game script, this was a bad week, and that coaching staff is smarter than this. They will get this right. Bad matchup against Baltimore. We're not going to see the same thing for Cincinnati. Nick Chubb's a running back one this week. Book it. Ooh, so top 12, you're saying, in PPR formats? Yes, sir. I'll take that bet if you want it. I'll take it. Yeah, for me, I'm not panicking. Um, as you said, this was a kind of a blowout by Baltimore, and I'm certainly not expecting that kind of game script in this one. That said, you know, it is a little concerning that this workload split uh, might be the norm going forward if Kareem Hunt is more involved. Uh, you know, he may not eclipse, uh, excuse me, he may not eclipse uh, Nick Chubb every week in carries, but I do think the split's going to be more 60-40, 70-30 than, you know, Chubb just dominating the touches. I think he's more of an RB2 
as of right now um and i do like him as an rb2 with upside this week in week two i'm I'm not benching him by any means but i don't have hunt ranked that much behind chubb i've got hunt as a high-end rb3 and it wouldn't shock me if they're pretty close by the end of the season in terms of total score yeah i agree with that but i I just see chubb as a one and i see hunt as a low end too i i think this offense is in trouble from a passing standpoint i think the running backs are going to dominate their offensive scheme if they're going to have any semblance of success it's hard to do anything against the ravens i really think it boils down to that yeah although it certainly wasn't encouraging to see mayfield just missing throws um and for that reason i wouldn't panic about odell beckham he looked pretty good against a tough ravens secondary but mayfield just missed him uh and even so beckham led the team with 10 targets to jarvis Landry's six so i still like beckham as a low-end wide receiver one and a great matchup this week uh and landry is a fine wide receiver three play as well you're certainly not benching Odell Beckham this early in the season, but this is strike one. If if he gets two more, once he hits strike two, I, I'm trying to abandon ship. We've seen now a year and a game of Odell Beckham Jr. not giving you what you're looking for. Yeah, I, I think there are some warning bells for sure, but uh, like as with Chubb, I, I also would not be in panic mode with Beckham here Uh, as for the tight ends I wasn't a fan of Hooper preseason with Beckham and Landry siphoning away targets and Najoku actually saw three targets to Hooper's two targets before leaving with a knee injury but now with Najoku on IR he's going to miss at least three games I do think that Hooper can be started as a high-end tight end too I just don't see a huge ceiling for him do you no not much of a ceiling with all the other options there and like i said i think this offense runs through chubb and hunt as a one and two option on the team not one one a but one and two uh landry's going to get his touches uh odell beckham is going to get his targets so he, even though they they lost a the tight end there for the next couple weeks i i just don't see the upside really for hooper um yeah it's just not gonna happen all right uh, i'm going to take the browns here I don't want to, but I think that defense hampers Cleveland, uh, uh, Cincinnati enough that the Browns do take this game. All right. Um, we will see about that. I, I do think it'll be a close one in general. Uh, and these Thursday night matchups tend up to tend to be pretty messy, especially among, uh, among the Ohio uh, teams. Yeah, it's uh, AFC North. They're, they're staunch rivalry. They're always close games like, like the NFC West, right? Well, a different caliber of rivalry, but certainly <laughs> a, a fierce one. <laughs> yeah. All right. Uh, kicking off the Sunday games, the noon central 1 p.m. Eastern games, we've got the New York Giants at the Chicago Bears. And we'll see uh, Golden Tate's out tonight with that hamstring injury. Uh, surprise, surprise, another hamstring. Um, the Giants offense hasn't looked great in general, even though they did get Darius Slayton that touchdown early. I would think that Barkley and Ingram are probably going to be the only reliable starters in fantasy here for week two. Are you are you trusting Shepard or Tate or anyone else? Only if you're playing DFS or in a very deep double flex or, you know, four wide receiver start type of league. But no, uh, even though the Bears second corner and even their first corner at times do seem to have a lot of issues uh, in their own coverage. Daniel Jones is not going to get it done against the Chicago Bears defense. He's uh 
it got two interceptions already in the night on the night versus Pittsburgh, although that should open things up for, you know, more pass attempts down the road. I just don't like banking on that. And when it gets picked down to brass tacks, you got to lean on Saquon Barkley to carry that team. Yeah, all it takes is one missed tackle and Barkley is gone. He almost busted open that screen pass tonight uh, for a touchdown, but uh, barely got tackled. And then on the Chicago side here, uh, I know Mitch was our Gillette close shave of the week winner, but it's hard to ever trust him in your lineup. But, you know, DFS tournaments, I did use him in week one based on his low price, but I don't know that you're starting him in one quarterback formats and redrafts. Um, and then the backfield's kind of a mess. Montgomery ran well, as did Cohen, uh, as did Patterson at times, but all three are splitting touches and targets here. Uh, Montgomery is probably the best bet, but just a low-end flex play for right now with Chicago limiting his touches, likely to guard against aggravating his groin injury that he's returning from. And then Anthony Miller and Jimmy Graham both caught touchdowns, but Miller saw fewer offensive snaps than Ted Ginn, so hardly reliable. I see him as a boomer bust wide receiver four, and Jimmy Graham a touchdown dependent tight end two here. Really, Allen Robinson's the guy you want, leading the team with nine targets, despite not doing a whole lot with them in week one, but I've still got him as a high-end wide receiver too. I've got a little more optimism on the Bears than you this week. I guess uh, that surprises me. Um, I've got Allen Robinson as a low-end one. I think that that uh, solid production, the the baseline reception and target numbers are going to be there. Mitchell did not look good, but and that was against a poor Lions uh, defense and secondary. But the Giants secondary is not much better. Uh, I think I'm even more surprised to hear your take on Anthony Miller. Sure, Ginn was on the field more, but those are scheme things. That's a veteran thing. I think Anthony Miller has some really good flex upside. Um, the absolutely nothing that can cover the slot, and we see we're seeing Juju Smith Schuster pretty much dominant uh, this evening so far. Well, I don't know that uh, Anthony They're Miller is quite class. Juju, no. but um, but they do play the same position. Yeah, that's fair. And Benny Snell's looking pretty good tonight. Uh, just busted off another pretty good run. Um, well, that Giants defense, you know. Yeah, I mean, maybe you do have a point, uh, but I, I will agree with you that I'm not too afraid of this Giants defense. Uh, I will take Chicago in this matchup. I'm going to take Chicago as well. We didn't really touch on it. Uh, well, I guess we'll touch on it later. Are you rushing out to add Jimmy Graham to your team? I, I'm not. No, definitely not. I, I okay. think they're just, there are a lot of tight end options and maybe in a deeper league but or maybe you know in week eight or ten when there are a lot of teams on by we'll talk about them again but not right now sure yeah i am taking chicago all right uh the next... say it already <laughs> uh, yeah well that's fine <laughs> sorry. maybe who knows maybe mitch will start two and oh be a pleasant surprise I... yeah he's going to and he's gonna buy himself starting for you know at least another 10 weeks and i don't know if that's a good thing or not we will find out. Only one way to tell, right? <laughs> and that's why they play the games. Yep. And the next game here is going to be Atlanta at Dallas. Uh, I see the Falcons defense picked up where they left off last season, giving up 300 yards and four touchdowns to Russell Wilson. Of course, this is a positive for Matt Ryan and the pass catchers, uh, as they're going to be airing it out again a ton this year. Ryan, I've got as a mid-range QB1. Julio, of course, you're starting. And Ridley's a strong wide receiver too, but don't forget about Russell Gage. He tied Julio and Ridley with 12 targets apiece for all three of them against the Seahawks. 
Gage has seen a ton of targets since the Falcons traded away Mohamed Sanu last year, and he's a good flex option who can help teams coming off the waiver wire. And then finally, even though Hayden Hurst didn't do much against the tough Seattle secondary with Jamal Adams there, I do still have him ranked as a back-end tight end one this week. He saw five targets and played well. And then Gurley remains a solid RB2 as well, dominating those carries for Atlanta with a rushing score and getting five targets in the passing game. Yeah, I think you can uh, forget about Russell Gage. I would not fret too much about Hayden Hurst having a terrible day. Seattle has greatly improved its tight end defense. You cannot compare this year to last year with the add of the, with the addition in the secondary. Uh, I think Russell's Gage is Russell Gage is going to be fool's gold in a week, maybe two weeks. Um, it's all about value, right? So if we're talking about Fabs, and we'll talk about this later, but I'm, I'm certainly not dropping. The customary, you know, 30, 40% in week one on a guy who's got 12 targets, nine receptions at 100 yards. This guy is more of like a $5 at most, in my opinion. I don't know. You think I'm nuts? No, I don't think he's a priority ad, but I do think that Atlanta's going to see plenty of uh, shootouts this year. And I do think that Gage will be a viable flex option. See, I think Hayden Hurst is going to plug that hole in. It's tough to for a tight end to change teams and be all, all that effective in week one. I mean, I'd say it would be more surprising if he was very good, but I think he will be in the coming weeks forward improving. Brian Hill did uh, pretty much nothing with his looks in the receiving game in catch-up mode, so I'm very confident in Todd Gurley for as long as he's healthy. Yeah, for as long, right? <laughs> Who knows? Yep, yeah. Um, and then on the Cowboys side, America's team, that defense looks to be in trouble after losing Leighton Vander Esch to a broken collar, collarbone excuse me, for half the season or more. And their pass rush also struggled to get to Goff. Uh, this is likely to be another high-scoring game uh, for both sides here, and I do think that Dak and company are going to need to match up against this Falcons offense. I like him as a top-five QB option this week against that weak Falcons secondary. Cooper I've got as a mid-range wide receiver two, Gallup a high-end wide receiver three who got robbed of that 40-yard catch due to a very iffy offensive pass interference call, and CeeDee Lamb a high upside flex as well, just a few spots ranked behind Gallup. Of course, uh, very sad about Blake Jarwin missing the season after tearing his ACL in week one, but I'm not running out to pick up Dalton Schultz. Uh, they've got Blake Bell there. They've got the rookie, and they could still add a veteran tight end. So I don't know that any tight end is the play for right now. And, of course, you're starting Ezekiel Elliott, despite his awful new feed me tattoo on his stomach. Oh, gosh. Yeah, I think this is pretty much the exact opposite situation with the tight end and wide receiver three as Atlanta. Um, they've lost their tight end. I expect CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup really to pick up the pace here. I do not expect Mari Cooper to see 14 targets again, as he did in week one. Um, that might be his, his top for the year, to be honest. Uh, but I do expect Gallup and Lamb to see more of the 8, 9, 10 range. So I, I think shrewd drafters who threw the chips in on the rookie cd lamb in their draft i think they they may have found a gold mine here yeah could be the best wide receiver uh trio in the league right now sure i think this game's gonna be closer than a lot of people think but i'm gonna lean the home team dallas here yeah give me the cowboys at home all right next game here we're going to talk about is detroit at Green Bay, and of course, we already briefly mentioned the Lions choking away yet another lead. 
And it's tough to tr- trust Matt Stafford with the whole offense seemingly out of sync with Kenny Galladay missing with that hamstring injury. Stay tuned on his status, but if he's out again, I would have Stafford ranked as just a mid-range QB2. Marvin Jones as a flex play, and then both Adrian Peterson and DeAndre Swift as flex plays as well, but all the Detroit running backs are pretty touchdown dependent with this full-on committee approach, and we warned our listeners about this on our preseason fades show, Los. Yeah, we did, for good reason. And I'd avoid all of them as flex plays. I'd find some other teams, you know, upside uh, wide receiver too, like an Anthony Miller or something. Or a Russell Gage. Or a Russell Gage. (laughs) Yeah, this week for sure. For sure, Russell Gage this week. um, Week three, four. I'd like to see him do it twice before I commit to anything like that. Okay. Um, I I will say I do like TJ Hawkinson here on the lines, though, as a low-end tight end one, uh, especially with Galladay not there to soak up those red zone targets. I hope Galladay's back because it, it does change this offense so much and it makes it a lot more exciting. Yeah, uh, it's really hard to tell right now. We will see about that. Yeah. Especially with Matt Patricia taking after the uh, the Bill Belichick approach about really being tight-lipped on injury updates. <laughs> hey, maybe it works, you know. They're 0-1-1 so far, but the Patriots are winning. Yeah, maybe. Um, On the Packers side here, it seems as though Aaron Rodgers is out to prove the doubters wrong, and I'll say that I was among them in the preseason. Uh, I'm still skeptical. Uh, We saw some big games from last year, too, sandwiched in between some pretty awful ones, and the Vikings cornerback unit is not what it used to be. That said, uh, it's not like the Lions secondary is very scary either, especially after losing Darius Slay this offseason. We saw Mitch Trubisky torch them for 200-plus yards and three touchdowns, so Rodgers, another 400-yard day with three to four touchdowns, certainly possible. Uh, I like him as a mid-range QB1 here at home. Maybe he'll do a, a couple imaginary Lambo leaps with the empty fans, the no fans in the stadium. And then Aaron Jones remains a solid back-end RB1 play this week as well. And of course, no one's benching Devontae Adams. But as for the other wide receivers, Alan Lazard and Marcus Valdez-Scantling, I've got them both as just high upside wide receiver four plays. You're basically hoping that they connect on those long touchdowns again. Yeah, I think there's two really big key points here. I think you've hit the nail on the head with Aaron uh, Aaron Rodgers completely. Um a lot of drafts, most drafts that I see, saw still had Minnesota being drafted um, as a top 10 defense, which means people really were not paying attention to last year or the offseason moves. Uh, Rodgers is going to have a great game this week against Detroit, just like he did last week. Um, I'm not sure what his week three uh, matchup is, but I, I think he's a prime sell high candidate after this week. Uh, you'll find somebody who's chomping at the bit to have a quarterback and you will be able to cash in and find a, a quarterback that'll, that'll carry you for the rest of the season, you know, but with a streaming approach. So that's me. I would try and, you know, ship Aaron Rodgers for like a Jonathan Taylor plus or something like that. If, if you have somebody who's, who's that crazy for, for needing a quarterback, not that you'll be able to find it, but you know, crazier things are out there. As for the secondary wide receiver options in Green Bay, it's been a story this year. It's been a story all of last year. I think MVS and Alizard are both worth uh, having on a roster. I don't think they belong in free agency, but I'm not throwing any into a lineup just yet. Um, 
they they probably do have flex upside against Detroit, depending on what other options are on your team. But I would just look to try and avoid him. We've sort of seen this song and dance last year, where over the past three years with Toronto Wales and looking like a great wide receiver two option, then MVS, then people thought ESB, and last year everybody thought Lazard, and then he didn't do much for you when you count when you wanted to count on him. So I'd keep him out of the lineup for this week at least. Yeah, I would echo the the sell high uh, sentiment on Aaron Rodgers after week two if he does blow up again. Um, I don't know that you're going to get Jonathan Taylor for him, but you can certainly get maybe Naeem Hines for him. that's a pipe dream, you know. (laughs) Would you trade him for Naeem Hines? Would I trade Aaron Rodgers for Naeem Hines? No, I would not. I think think Naeem Hines is going to fade as the season goes just like Rodgers. Okay. Um, but certainly, you know, looking at his schedule, tough, tough matchup against New Orleans uh, in week three, but he does have a great matchup uh, at home against Atlanta in week four, but then you're losing him for their bye week in week five. And then another yeah. tough matchup at Tampa Bay following that in week six. So, you know, yeah, after this week is it. Cause I, I would probably, you know, this will, this will be sacrilege, but I think I'd bench him against New Orleans. I think he's a low end QB one, uh, so it would depend on the options. But certainly, I'm not sure a, I could find a streamer, and we'll talk about him. But I'm sure, that, I'm sure next week I'd be able to find a top five streamer. Yeah, not a must start by any means. Um, yep. But all this said, uh, I'm going to take the Packers at home. Uh, yes, uh, easily. Okay, sounds like a quick decision there. Next yep. game here, uh, Jacksonville at Tennessee, what used to be the garbage matchup, but not so much anymore with the Titans actually making the playoffs last year. Uh, but who knows? We've got some Minshew magic, baby. I've, uh, I've got a long-standing rule to never, ever trust betting on Phillip Rivers, and that has carried over from the Chargers to the Colts, and for good reason. Minshew uh, was a solid start last week, and he's a decent QB, too, again this week, though the Titans' defense uh, is projected to be a little bit tougher than the Colts. Of course, that rushing upside had 19 yards last week does help his floor. And at running back uh, for the Jaguars, James Robinson was the only running back to see carries, uh, although I'm not sure how much that's going to matter if they trail against a, a tough Tennessee team. He's a high-end RB4, as is Chris Thompson. Everyone expected Jacksonville to trail against the Colts and for Thompson to see a ton of targets. And even though it didn't, excuse me, if even though it did not pan out in week one, Thompson still has that PPR upside in these kinds of negative game scripts. And DJ Shark, I would not panic about him. I've still got him as a low-end wide receiver too here this week, despite disappointing against Indianapolis. And LaVisca Chenault, the rookie, he should be on radars as a low-end flex play this week. He was involved both as a rusher and a receiver. And as for deep sleeper Tyler Eifert, he can be dropped with him splitting time with James James O'Shaughnessy, and neither tight end did much. I don't know what game you were watching. DJ Chark didn't uh, disappoint me. He's got one game, one touchdown so far, baby. We're rolling. Yeah, but, uh, you know, from those who expected a, a higher overall stat line, I guess. Uh, I guess so, but that's pretty darn good. You drafted him as your wide receiver three, probably. Yeah, and like I said, I'm, I'm not worried about Shark at all, but I did see a little bit of panic on Twitter. Yeah. Well, that's Twitter. I mean, uh, never mind. If you want something more in-depth on how I feel about Shark and Minshew, just go two episodes ago. I love their start to the season. Um, 
If you didn't have a good quarterback option already, I think Minshew is a very solid streamer for the for the uh, first five weeks of the year. And I called DJ Chark as finishing the five, top the first six uh, weeks of the season as a top twelve wide receiver. So I think he is very good here. I love to see the work uh, the, the rookie Lavisca Chenault in there getting some work, um, but I he does not concern me at all. I am very concerned about Chris Thompson. I would not start him anywhere, even if we do see something, even if we do expect something game script dependent. Who knows what this crazy, magical Minshew-led team is going to do? We certainly didn't expect them to beat the Colts or keep it even competitive. Um, James Robinson, probably worth a roster spot, but I'm not starting him anywhere. Just not, not the type of player that interests me. Sorry, Mr. and Mrs. Robinson. I'm not trying to disparage your son, but you know, just not for a fantasy uh, team. Well, here's to you, Mrs. Robinson. But uh, <laughs> more so, here's to you, Mrs. Shark, for creating such a uh, a specimen of a wide receiver here. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm excited about Shark for the next few weeks. Great matchups all around. Uh, moving on to the Tennessee side here, we'll see how the Titans do tonight, but. I mean, Henry's a must-start RB1. I like Tannehill. It's a high-end QB2 and a good matchup against this depleted Jaguar secondary, even though Phillip Rivers struggled against it. And A.J. Brown should be a nice wide receiver three with upside as well. And Jonu Smith, a pretty solid back-end tight end one play. I, I like pretty much all the main pieces on Tennessee here. Uh, and the defense as well, I think, could be a nice stream. I completely agree with you. I don't know what happened to the Colts this game. I'm not changing any of my projections. This Jacksonville Jaguars defense has a lot of holes, uh, to say the least. So I have every, uh, every confidence in Tennessee to take care of business. All right. Uh, it sounds like we are both taking Tennessee here. Yes, sir. Okay. Next game. Then we'll move on Minnesota at the Indianapolis Colts. The Vikings really, really need another wide receiver with Diggs gone now to Buffalo. Um, the good news is that with no one else to really throw to, this offense is going to go through Dalvin Cook and Adam Thielen. Cook's a top five running back option again now that he's signed that extension, no risk of a holdout. And Thielen I've got as a mid-range wide receiver one here as long as he continues to see this kind of huge target volume. Maybe Justin Jefferson or BC Johnson eventually step up, but doesn't look like either of these guys really need to be rostered yet, and neither tight end is a great play either while they split snaps on offense. Yeah, I think eventually Irv Smith Jr. does take that step forward. Very talented. We saw a lot of flashes out of him last season. Um, there's a reason that they've had Kyle Rudolph all these years. Very solid blocker, very solid football player, but you know, just not that superstar. And I, I think Irv Smith Jr. does have you know someday tight end one potential. I don't know if that's going to come this year, but just the thing to keep an eye on. Just like you said, uh, they, they're going to need to find another passing game option other than Adam Thielen, although he's pretty darn good himself. Right, and I don't know that the Minnesota Vikings defense needs to be started either. As you alluded to a little while ago when we talked about the Green yeah, Bay no matchup, uh, they were ranked highly in the preseason, but really there's a lot of issues with their cornerback unit and then with Daniil Hunter um, missing time as well. Uh, they're not a great option right now. I know one of my mm. friends uh, auto-drafted the Minnesota defense and they got a <sighs> negative two points in week one. That's so terrible. Maybe maybe we ought to like dive into that. Just you know, a cursory overlook of the defenses heading into things because clearly something was missed. Minnesota has not been a, a defense worth ranking 
in a year and a half. I mean, we even talk about um, Xavier. Um, oh, come on. Xavier Rhodes. He has not been at the top of his game for over a year. And the, the secondary is tons of issues. That's referencing last year, of course. Yeah, I don't. Is he even on a team right now? No, that that's what I'm saying. Oh, I, he's, I'm on, like, he's on the Colts even now, right? Last year they weren't thought of as a great defense, so right. I, I don't know. Yeah, I think people kind of just get enamored with the uh, the big name defenses sometimes. Yeah, sure, sure. I mean, yeah, Chicago hung around as a uh, top drafted defense um, for years while uh, they were going through that Trustman and Fox era when you know certainly not getting it done. Yeah, and Jacksonville had a good defense for a little bit, but uh, how yeah. mighty have fallen. But for whatever reason, everybody caught up with that one. Everybody knew not to draft Jacksonville. I don't know. Weird. Yeah, well, I guess you just pick and choose. But um, on the cold side here, always sad to see season-ending injuries. I know we talked about this a little bit on Sunday, and yeah. you know I'm happy for my Taylor shares, but certainly you know wish it were not be- due to injury. Right. Um, Marlon Mack uh, out for the year with that torn Achilles. Taylor stepped into a big role immediately against Jacksonville in the second half. Following Mack's injury, Taylor got 10 carries to Hines's three carries, and he saw six targets to Hines's seven targets. Now, you know, you mentioned that you would not trade Aaron Rodgers uh, for Naeem Hines, hypothetically speaking. Um, mm-hmm. But I, I do think that, you know, both of these running backs could be viable in fantasy going forward with. Rivers continuing to heavily target his running backs with 37% of his targets going to his running backs against Jacksonville. Uh, do you, so do you see Hines as just a, you know, a flex play for the rest of the season? Where, where do you think he goes? I see him as a flex play for probably the next, I, this, this week he could certainly get away as a, as a uh, running back too, I think, but depending on how this week goes, it's like the, the question for me is, did you see what Jonathan Taylor did when he caught the football? Like if he keeps doing that, that is going to make, unfortunately, Naeem Hines completely and utterly redundant. Jonathan Taylor has running back top five running back upside. If they, if they just give him the reins, Philip rivers clearly has shown he's not afraid to, th- to throw the ball to the rookie. If that happens, watch out. See, I'm on a different page here because even though I I do love Taylor's upside as you do, I I still think there's enough to go around for Hines to remain a viable PPR flex play with RB2 upside for the rest of the season. Hmm. I I guess let's see. Let's call it week to week. Um, I think he's definitely... um, I don't know. I haven't really thought through what I'd spend on him in a fad budget this this uh, this week. I'm going to have to think through that, obviously. Um, but he's darn good. You know, he's a great pass catcher. Um, Reich was talking about him having 10 catches a game. Obviously, that didn't happen, but he had a very, very good game. He had eight catches, but Jonathan Taylor barely saw the football in the first half. Um, with Matt gone, Taylor's going to show the difference between himself and Naeem Hines. Don't get me wrong. Hines is a good athlete. He's a good player, but you get that Taylor on the field more. He's going to stay on the field. And I, I do think that Paris Campbell, T Y Hilton and uh, Michael Pittman or Zach Pascal, whoever mostly Campbell and Hilton are going to have a bigger share of this offense. They're going to be putting up touchdowns. I think they're going to have a very good week uh, going forward, to be honest. 
Yeah, I do like both Hilton and Campbell as wide receiver three options with upside this week facing a Viking secondary that gave up some huge touchdowns to those Packers wide receivers. And, uh, you know, both of them got heavily involved in this offense, as you said, with nine targets apiece against Jacksonville. Unfortunately, uh, the odd man out here seems to be Jack Doyle, who's splitting snaps with Mo Alley-Cox to start the season. Just the tight end, too, for right now, uh, with the PPR volume seemingly not there. Yeah, I think he picks it up as the season goes on. Uh, You're right about the PPR volume, but I would not look his way whatsoever uh, in these opening weeks where we have no buys. But when we hit week five, six, we might start to talk about Jack Doyle again. Right. I think this is one of the toughest matchups to call this week, but I'm actually going with the road team, Minnesota here. Wow, I am uh, taking Indianapolis at home. I think they uh, need to get things right in a big way, and I think they come through. I think uh, if Phillip Rivers can't beat the Jaguars, man, that's, I don't know, that's tough. They're paying them a lot of money. Week one, new quarterback, new team, no offseason. I'm chalking it up to that. Okay, I think Philip Rivers is just one. bad. Even though it's the week that sticks, you know, the most firmly in our heads after the long wait, we cannot let week one dominate more than week two, week five, week eight, nothing like that. Oh, no, this isn't a week one reaction. This is Philip Rivers being awful for the last three years reaction. <laughs> That's called hyperbole. Well, we'll see. Um, we'll see about that one. I, I do think the Vikings could take it. But uh, moving on here, Buffalo at Miami. Another AFC East showdown here. And despite losing two fumbles against the Jets, uh, Allen was the third best fantasy quarterback this week prior to Monday night. He's a top five option again this week with a high rushing floor and ceiling. And at running back, it was a pretty even split between Singletary and Moss, both on the ground and in the passing game. Moss caught the touchdown, but Singletary saw more targets overall. Both of these guys are viable flex plays, uh, but it's going to be tough to project who scores the touchdown each week. But that said, would you agree, Los, that I would rather bet on a Buffalo running back than a Detroit running back? Oh, yeah, for sure. Without question. Uh, Detroit running backs, I don't even want on my roster. Buffalo running backs, I want firmly on my bench. Well, one Buffalo running back, I want firmly on my bench. Uh, if you listen to me in the offseason, hopefully you did not spend that uh, that mid to upper mid round pick on uh, on Devin Singletary. You're not going to see that value return, even though he had a couple more catches. Yeah, and from the wide receivers here, uh, both Diggs and Brown, I've got his wide receiver threes with upside in week two. Uh, they've got another week secondary matched up against uh, for the second week in a row now. Xavier Howard, uh, he's a tough cornerback to play against, but it's unlikely that he's going to shadow anyone in this game. And even then, he was being eased back in from his knee injury last year. Uh, week one, he played just 42% of the snaps on defense. Why do you think he won't shadow Diggs? Because Diggs comes inside and everything? Yeah, I think, you know, they move him around a lot. And I don't know that Diggs is necessarily, you know, an alpha wide receiver one that they would shadow. I mean, if he played for Aaron Rodgers or something, he certainly would be. But your point is well taken. Uh, having him as a wide receiver three, I, I think I agree with you. He's startable, but not somebody that I'm that I'm jumping to, you know, smash uh, into the lineup. Um, John Brown, other than that big time play he had, I'm fading him basically all of this year, even despite the 10 targets. I'm not expecting Josh Allen to have 46 attempts 
every game this year. I'm not even expecting to have 35 attempts every game this year. They did in the offseason say that they wanted to open things up. I'll believe it when I see it for three weeks in a row. How about that? Yeah, I think that's a fair assessment here. On the Dolphins side, uh, they've got a tough matchup against the top five defense here. The only player I'd really feel comfortable playing in this matchup would be Preston Williams. Devontae Parker uh, likely out after leaving week one after aggravating his hamstring injury. Williams, I think, is a very high upside wide receiver three who should see a ton of target volume. And that's about it, really. Um, there's not much else at wide receiver depth for the Dolphins here. Gasicki's got a tough tight end matchup to fade as well against this Bills secondary. And at running back, Miles Gaskins surprisingly led all the Dolphins running backs with 63% of the offensive snaps against the Patriots. Howard and Breda, despite being big offseason signings, uh, really didn't contribute much here. Uh, it's kind of baffling, uh, this running back rotation, but you know, kind of avoid all of them, right? Absolutely. Uh, I'm avoiding all, and I'm not on board with you on Preston Williams either. Um, We talked about a good cornerback on the other side of the football. Tredavious White is an even better cornerback, and I expect him to lock Preston Williams down wherever he goes on the field, and I think uh, Fitzpatrick's going to have to look elsewhere. He's going to look towards Gesicki, who I'm not starting here. He's going to have to look towards Jakeem Grant and Isaiah, Isaiah Ford. I don't think Miami puts up 10 points this game. I just don't see it happening. So I agree that White is a very difficult matchup who is very likely to shadow Preston Williams. We saw Gilmore on Williams in week one. But at the same time, I just think that Fitzpatrick doesn't care. He's going to pepper, pepper Williams with targets. You know, what, what other choices he have when they're down 30 points? Yeah, but he has to actually make receptions happen in order for Williams to put points up for you. That, that's fair, um, but I do think that Preston Williams is going to be a priority waiver wire addition here. Um, if Devontae Parker is out for extended time, next week they get Jacksonville, and that's when Williams being peppered by 15 targets could lead to like 150 yards. That That's a fair point, absolutely, and that would be, well, I guess now would be the time to add him, because nah, maybe next week's the time to add him. I don't know. Depends on what you believe of this uh, this game script. Mung is firmly in the uh, Preston's a wide receiver three. I'm firmly right three. You said right. Yeah, I, I would rather be a week early and get him for cheaper than you know a week late. Yeah, fair enough. Fair enough. Um, sounds like we both like Buffalo quite a bit here. Yes, no contest. All right, next one here. Uh, surprisingly upset starting the season 0-1. San Francisco 49ers at the New York Jets. I was talking to our producer Dan yesterday about how the Niners against uh, the Cardinals is kind of like the new Seahawks versus Cardinals from a few years back when Arizona was absolutely awful, but they would somehow play Seattle really tight and find a way to find those upset wins here and there. Do you remember those? I absolutely do. Before that, it was when the Rams were awful and they would play Seattle very tight. The NFC West is a tough division to win. Yeah, and then even last year, uh, even though the Cardinals lost both of their games to San Francisco, they kept things pretty interesting, and this was a tough start for a Super Bowl hopeful trying to get back to the big game. Garoppolo missed some wide-open throws. Um, He overthrew Kittle, which led to that injury because he got tackled high on the leg, and 
even on the road uh that said i i do think garoppolo is going to be a solid high-end qb2 to stream for a second straight week the jets defensive line is tough to run on but their secondary is pretty awful last year and even worse now with jamal adams traded to seattle this is a pretty decent matchup all things considered at running back mostert uh, i've got him as a fine back-end rb2 with upside the rushing matchup again is difficult but it was good to see mostert get five targets as a receiver and you should continue to see target volume after breaking that 76 yard touchdown against arizona and in fact uh, next gen stats logged mostert at 22.73 miles per hour on that catch and run which actually oh is the fastest since tyree kill in 2016 i don't even drive that fast <laughs> um yeah, and Coleman and McKinnon behind him, both low-end flex plays and PPR, I think. Uh, I will say keep an eye on George Kittle's knee hyperextension. This was the same injury that he suffered against Arizona last year in Week 9, and even though Kittle played through it for the game, both in Week 1 this year and Week one, week 9 last year, he ended up missing the following two weeks last year. So it sounds like uh, Brandon Ayuk was close to playing in the opener, could be ready for week two. With Kittle potentially not 100% healthy, or if he misses the game, Ayuk could become a target magnet here with no none of the other San Francisco wide receivers really stepping up. Yeah, I, I think you hit the nail on the head there. Uh, despite all the, the struggles, Kittle being out, Jimmy Garoppolo still finished with 19 points on the day. He has a worse defense here. I think he's a perfectly good streaming candidate if you're playing late-round quarterback. Um, one wrinkle, I think, here is Raheem Mostert dominated the carries with 15-4 to four for Coleman. I think they might have been limiting Coleman a bit, given his sickle cell in the in what was uh, you know documented as some especially bad air. Um, I, not to get too into the nitty gritty of things, I, I, just don't be surprised if Mostert sees more of a 60-40, 70-30 rather than a you know completely dominant um, carry carry split versus the other running backs. Um, the other wrinkle is uh, Jordan Reed. Just don't forget about him, okay? This early in the season, you probably have other options to pick up if George Kittle is injured, but if you're in a very deep league or a league I'm in, there were actually 21 tight ends drafted, and I took Kittle in the uh, early second. So, I don't know. I've got my eye on Jordan Reed. Hopefully, I don't have to uh, pull the trigger on it, but just just the name to remember from history. Yeah, I think that's a good point about Coleman and the potential workload limitation in week one. Um, as for Reed, I don't know. He he really didn't do a whole lot in week one, even after Kittle was hurt. So I I, I think that's Buda Baker. I think they I think Arizona, despite last year, they saw the errors of their ways and they they really worked on their tight end defense, especially when they knew week one was going to be the you know the top option on the other team is potentially, you know, depending on your rankings, the best tight end in the league. Okay, I think that's a fair point. I just wouldn't be running out to grab Jordan Reed anywhere, per se. Oh, trust me, I'm not running. <laughs> fair enough. Maybe a slow <laughs> crawl if uh, if Kittle is questionable by, by Thursday or Friday. I am for Kittle to, to beast mode it like last year and, and just make it happen. Although, I think, if I remember, he, he, he played the next game but missed a couple weeks after? Or what was it exactly? I believe I he know, missed the next two games after finishing the game. Yeah, he came back in and scored a touchdown. I remember that. Yeah, but then afterwards, uh, you know, whatever swelling or damage. whatever that's happened after. Oh, gosh. Well, he was still great for the rest of the season, so that's fine. 
yeah we will see um all right let's move on to the jets here uh it sounds like they've got (laughs) well it'll be quick that's for sure um (laughs) but it sounds like they have an injury of their own to deal with uh to one of their top players Le'Veon bell likely to miss a couple weeks with a hamstring injury so frank gore and josh adams stepped in behind him week one uh i don't see anybody relying on a jets running back for a while outside of very deep leagues here but Jameson Crowder should continue to see a ton of target volume. Uh, he's a viable wide receiver three with a lot of upside in PPR, maybe even a wide receiver two. Uh, and then this is a second straight bad matchup for Chris Herndon after he faced the Bills secondary. Uh, the 49ers are another team that defends very well against the tight end. So Herndon, just a mid-range tight end two here. But worth noting that he played over 70% of the snaps on offense and saw a 20% target share against the Bills in week one. I do think that he's going to be a solid tight end option this year, despite a a tough couple of games to start the season. He's worth stashing if you don't have a top three tight end on your roster. Yep, totally agree with that. I think Jameson Crowder has about as much upside as Jameson Crowder's ever had in his career. Um, I guess for you long-time fantasy players, you know exactly what that means. Um, he can be a target machine. He's not probably going to turn it into much. He had that great breakaway run uh, in week one for the touchdown. Obviously something we're not used to seeing from him. So so the ceiling is capped, um, barring something you know aberrant like this week. But he will give you a solid floor as a... Uh, you know, wide receiver three or in a pinch, you know, low ceiling wide receiver two, just depending on how you like your lineups. I, I usually like to talk about my wide receiver twos as a more solid play and my flex is where I like to, you know, go swinging for the fences, but it's, it's just a, it's just a name. Yep. And, uh, you know, I, I was talking to somebody on Twitter today. I don't think that Le'Veon Bell is a, a must roster. Do you? If you spent your third rounder on him, you're going to drop him? No, but if you spent your fifth rounder on him and, and you then know, you you're trying to... Yeah, but I mean... <laughs> then somebody auto-drafted him in the fourth. Sure, but you know, if, if you have shallow benches and guys like Naeem Hines, Malcolm Brown, you know, they're on the waiver wire and you're not going to be able to play Le'Veon Bell for a couple weeks and even after that, can you really trust them? Are they not I putting? Are they not designating him for IR? No, I mean obviously, if you have an IR spot, you don't need to drop oh. him. I'm just saying. Oh, okay, so I the don't... presence or like that totally, totally changes the game. So I would consider it. This is a short season, and you know things are looking great so far. But God forbid something go awry, and we have a shortened season due to COVID. You need early season wins, depending on what your league has agreed to. You know what you're going to use to claim a champion if you have a, a game limit or something. So, so you need to win every single week you can. And if you don't have the roster spots, if you don't have the bench spots, you you can't keep him there. Yeah, I I mean, even if we're talking about a trade, I think I would trade Bell for. I nine would explore points. that first, absolutely. Well, I guess rest of the season, would you rather have Hines or Bell? Hines. Okay, yeah. I think we're in agreement. Yeah, I, I saw. I mean, I saw enough of the absolute nothing happening here and Frank Gore actually getting those leverage touches that, you know, no, I'm I'm off of Bell. Yep. All right. Um, I, you know, I... I Two gra- targets. Le'Veon Bell is supposed to, like, that's his thing. Yeah. Well, it it is Adam Gase, so say la vie. Yeah. Yeah, say I love you. 
but uh, you know, despite some some rough throws by Garoppolo I early on, I yell at you. I'm sorry about that. <laughs> no, it's all good. <laughs> uh, but I was gonna say, despite some rough throws by Garoppolo in Week One, and you know, even if Kittle's out, I, I'm still taking the Niners here. Oh come on! All right, um, we'll both. Bet. What happens when? Uh, how do they pick between Sam Darnold and Trevor Lawrence? <laughs> Well, and that's if uh, it, it sounds like uh, Gardner Minshew's playing Jacksonville out of the contention for Trevor yeah, Lawrence. Yeah, he is. Yeah, he is. And I hope they're happy about it. I mean, he's really he's really not a bad quarterback. I mean, he's he's. I, don't, I mean, I don't live in Jacksonville, so I don't I can't speak to the fan base. But I think he would be the type of guy that's going to sell a ton of jerseys, and if he can keep them just competitive, they don't have to win Super Bowls in Jacksonville. I don't think that's going to change the fan base dramatically. Um, it's of course better for football, you know, to have more more teams contending. But I think it's in Jacksonville's best interest for him to be as good as he can possibly be. Yeah, but I mean, if you can get Trevor Lawrence, you still want Lawrence. Okay. Right. I mean, <laughs> if you're picking between the, the two, but I mean, who knows? Let's see how this year goes. Yeah. I mean, a lot of hypotheticals here. You know, um, a lot of people said Bryce Love was a first rounder. Well, <laughs> all right, let's move on here. Uh, the Rams at the Eagles here. Uh, Philadelphia against Washington was a game I stayed away in week one betting wise uh, the injuries to that Eagles offensive line scared me and turned out uh, it was for good reason Wentz is really hard to trust in this matchup even if Lane Johnson makes it back definitely can't be trusted if he's out again uh, Wentz was already sacked on 16% of his dropbacks against Washington and the Rams defense led by Aaron Donald were able to really get after Dak Prescott on Sunday night despite the Cowboys having a much better offensive line than the Eagles. We'll see if Miles Sanders is ready to return from his hamstring injury in week two, and Boston Scott questionable as well with an unknown injury that knocked him out of the game. Uh, and then Deshaun Still Jackson. Still unknown. It's like a mystery. Nobody knows what happened. Yeah, and then the crazy thing is, too, there were also rumors of a back injury for Deshaun Jackson, even though yep. after the game he tweeted out that he's fine. Uh, yeah. So who knows? It's hard to trust anyone on this Philadelphia offense uh, right now, except Miles Sanders, if he plays, right? Right. Uh, I'm right there with you. Yep. I, I like Deshaun heading into the season, but I don't know. Washington showed us that that uh, line is a significant issue. Yeah. And then, you know, Jalen Rager well, looked great. Other than, of course, the tight ends, right? Yeah. Yeah. We'll get to them. I just met yeah. of all the players we've talked about yeah. thus far. Yeah. Um, and then Jalen Rager, you know, I'm a big fan of him. He looked great in week one, but it's iffy if Wentz is going to have time in the pocket to find his guys downfield. And for me, you know, I mentioned at the top of the show that one of my big misses this week uh, in week one was Dallas Goddard, and he played nearly 80% of the snaps on offense, out-targeted Ertz 9-7. to I mean, you're not panicking against Ertz. He's a top five tight end play still, but I guess Goddard's a top 10 guy with potentially you know top five upside right i wonder how much of this is connected to the contract situation around zach Ertz. i guess he's been fighting with the front office i don't know how integrated the front office is with doug peterson and coaching staff on teams like bill o'brien's uh, texans like if he was fighting with the front office well bill o'brien is the front office but some teams have a completely separate and sometimes even a contentious relationship between the gm and the uh, and the coaching staff so it's definitely something to keep an eye on keep your ears uh 
pierced or listen, listen for news. But uh, I mean, Ertz isn't coming out of anybody's lineup regardless, but Goddard might, it might be time to enter it. Yeah. He'll be another priority waiver wire and that we'll talk about later on. Um, on the Rams side here, a lot to talk about. They ran a ton near the goal line, which really hurt Goff, but he's still a high-end QB2 play here against an iffy Eagle secondary. Robert Woods was heavily involved. He's staying in your lineup as a solid wide receiver too. And then another guy not to panic on, Cooper Cup. His stat line was disappointing, but he played on 85% of the snaps on offense, including a lot of the 12 personnel looks. He remains a boomer bust wide receiver three, just more so bust in week one. Uh, the number three guy, Van Jefferson, he looks pretty polished uh, as a route runner, a great dynasty prospect, but it's hard to see Jefferson significantly contributing in redraft this year. And then as for the running backs, Malcolm Brown saw 61% of the offensive snaps compared to Akers 34, but more importantly, he was the goal line back. He saw more passing down work as well. And I think Brown's an RB3 with upside for now if he continues seeing more work like this. He's probably the number two waiver wire priority for me behind only Naeem Hines this week. How would you rank uh, you know, those top three guys, assuming you're set at running back and tight end, but you know, Goddard, uh, Malcolm Brown, and Naeem Hines? Assuming I'm set. I mean, if I'm set at tight end, then I'm not typically looking to add a second one i'm gonna guess by set you mean i drafted like a top 10 guy um yeah yeah. like let's say you know let's say you've got mark andrews or hayden hurst or well yeah mark andrews is could be tight on one by the end of the season yeah I, i guess you're picking up goddard if you have like a hurst or an ingram that you don't fully trust yeah, Goddard was to me like a streaming tight end play who, if he catches, you add him and great, he's your tight end for the rest of the season. Um, to me, it's it's Hines, then Brown, then Goddard for that very reason. Um, tight ends are just easier to find. Sorry. Yep, I, I would agree with that ranking as well. Um, and then, you know, even you got to remember too that even if you don't need a running back, uh, running backs in general are more scarce. So you can always trade one of those guys for a tight end or a quarterback or a wide receiver, whatever you need. Exactly. Um, and then finally, and you guys, you keep calling uh, Robert Woods a tight end, uh, wide receiver too, and I'll keep winning leagues. Okay. All right. If you want to call him wide receiver one, that's fine. Uh, I've got him as a wide receiver too, um, but certainly a very solid start, like a DJ Shark, who I have ranked as a wide receiver too. But he's pretty much never coming out of the lineup. Right. Um, and then speaking of tight ends, real quick, as for Tyler Higby here, uh, like Cooper Cup, he didn't do much in the box score, uh, but he did play ninety percent of the snaps on offense. So we're not too worried about Higby here. Keep starting him as a tight end one, especially this week against this Eagles defense. Yeah, not remotely worried. Um, Everett might be missing some time with a back injury, so even more uh, solidarity there. Yeah, there you go. That could help Cooper Cup as well if they go to more eleven. If Everett does. Uh, uh, is limited or that's that's my main problem with cooper cup sure he's on the field but unfortunately he's just not as good in uh outside on the outside as he is in the slot sort of that uh that sterling shepherd effect yeah so this everett injury uh could be a blessing in disguise for cooper cup yep uh, i'm gonna take the rams here i am going to take the rams on the road yes 
All right. Sounds like you had to think about that one. I did. I did. I just wanted to make sure there wasn't anything I was missing. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Um, Denver at Pittsburgh. Uh, Pittsburgh got the win tonight. Uh, this second game is just kicking off while we're recording, so we'll see how the Broncos fare here. Cortland Sutton is out tonight. Um, we'll see how Drew That's Locke looks in his sophomore year. But, uh, yeah, I mean, Denver against Pittsburgh, this Steelers defense is legit. They really got after Daniel Jones tonight. Uh, I would be avoiding Drew Locke in one quarterback formats. Uh, if Cortland Sutton plays, he would still be a wide receiver three for me. But, uh, you know, always iffy, not knowing uh, if, if these players are 100% healthy or not. And yeah, then, I, th- I say you give him another week to rest that collarbone so that you can keep Sutton slotted into your uh, into your IR spot and add another player so you don't have to uh, deal with a three-point week from him. Yeah, and then, you know, we'll see in the backfield uh, how the touches are kind of divvied up uh, between Melvin Gordon and uh, Philip Lindsay tonight. But I, I still prefer Gordon. Uh, I like him as a low-end running back two, high-end RB3 because of the tough matchup against the Steelers defensive line. Most exciting for me is tonight we're going to get to see the uh, the debut of Jerry Judy. Uh, I think he was, I thought he was the best wide receiver coming out of the class in this draft. Very polished, very NFL ready, I think. But tonight we're going to find out. Um, by all accounts, I think that defense is probably going to be able to tee off on him. So just uh, unfortunate for a debut for him. And then week two at Pittsburgh. Yikes. Yeah, it's another tough one if uh, the defenses are focused on Jerry Judy with Sutton not there to take away any coverage. Yeah, I guess it's Fant. Uh, very well could be. We saw Ingram get a few targets. Um, I don't know. It's tough. Uh, I, I, I mean, we'll we'll get to the uh, we'll get to the pick'em in just a second. But it's tough to see Denver winning this, especially if Sutton's out. Um, oh, even with him in, I, I don't I don't think they have a shot. Yeah. I, I, well, I, I guess we'll just do our picks now. I'm taking Pittsburgh also. But, I will take Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, Roethlisberger, I've got him as a high-end QB2 here. The Denver defense is still tough, even without Von Miller. Uh, James Conner, we'll see about that ankle injury, but it doesn't look great that he's already out for the entire game after you know going out in the first quarter. Benny Snell is going to be a priority waiver wire ad here. Um, I do think that Snell is going to be... A back end RB two. What do you think? Uh, probably an up, up, yeah, back end running back too, because Tomlin does lean on that running back. Um, I didn't get a chance to oversee all of these steel. Let, let me take a look at the box score right here. Um, yeah, almost 120 yeah, yards Samuel, for Benny Snell. My question was with Connor out. Did Samuel come in and get a lot of passing down work? And he did not. He only saw one target. Yeah, I mean it helps that they led the entire time against the Giants sure. too, but. I mean, 19 carries for Snell, almost 120 yards. Uh, yeah. You know, he didn't get any touchdowns, but if they if they got in close, then that certainly would yeah. have happened. Yep, yeah. we'll we'll see more tonight how as to how good and or bad the uh, Denver defense is, but I don't expect them to do exceptionally well versus Tennessee tonight. Yeah. Plus, uh, looks like Juju's back, huh? Yeah. Yeah. About time. About darn time. All he needed was a quarterback, I guess. Who knew? Yeah, not some combination of uh, Mason Rudolph and uh, Duck Hodges. Yeah, are they are they still on that team? Uh, Rudolph is. He's the okay. he's the number two. Okay. Mm, sorry, Hodges. 
Yeah, but I mean, a great showing. Uh, two touchdowns for Juju. Uh, Deontay Johnson started the game off slow, but uh, he ended up with six catches as well. Um, James Washington got the got the set, the third touchdown though. Um, and then Chase Claypool looked pretty good in limited action, but really it's Juju and Deontay for now. It looks like uh, the tight end split time as well, so certainly not relying on either of them. Nope, not now. Yep. And we both already took Pittsburgh, so we'll just move right along to the NFC South matchup between Carolina and Tampa Bay. Uh, this one's at Tampa Bay, uh, and it was slightly concerning for probably DJ Moore owners that all three of the Panthers wide receivers saw so many targets. Um, maybe a little bit concerning for Christian McCaffrey owners. Uh, he only got four targets after being just absolutely dominating in PPR touches last year, but he's still a, a top three running back one. You're not concerned about McCaffrey here. A very, uh, you know, I saw someone say that uh, McCaffrey scored the quietest 28 PPR points imaginable in week one because no <laughs> one talked about it because that's just kind of par for the course for him. Yeah, it's sliding under the radar with 30-point days. Yeah, but, uh, you know, Robbie Anderson and Curtis Samuel very heavily involved alongside DJ Moore. Uh, what do you think about that? I'm not concerned. Uh, it's week one. A lot of things happen in a single individual week. Last week, Mike Evans went uh, a whole whole game without a catch, right? And we don't think any less of him. So I think DJ Moore is going to be absolutely fine going forward. Um, the other guys, Samuel's very talented. Anderson's that deep threat that's very talented. If Bridgewater doesn't connect with Anderson, then I bet DJ Moore scores a touchdown on that drive. You know, I, I mean, maybe it's maybe I'm simplifying things, but I'm just not worried about him. Led the team in targets, still by far, in my opinion, the most talented player in the receiving core. So, not concerned. Yeah, I, I still like Moore a lot as a wide receiver too. But I will say, like with Nick Chubb, I do think the ceiling might be a little capped. Possibly, possibly. Um, are you picking up Anderson or Samuel here? Um. For this week, I am not. No, uh, I meant in general. Mm, when it comes down to picking up wide receivers, they are weekly plays for me. So no. Okay, I do think Anderson has some upside, so we'll talk about him in the waiver wire ads a little bit. Uh, but he's he would be the one I would prioritize over Curtis Samuel for right now. Agreed. Okay, and then after you know the wide receivers, unfortunately, uh, this leaves Ian Thomas as just a tight end two to avoid for the most part until further notice. Yeah, he'll have some days, but you know, probably against like Detroit, who allowed two tight ends, to, two touchdowns to Jimmy Graham, something like that. <laughs> yeah, almost right. Um, okay. All right, moving on to the Tampa Bay side. Then I think there's a lot to talk about here. Uh, a lot of people hyped up. I'm not going to hammer you. Don't worry. <laughs> I, you know what? I'm oddly enough. I, I don't think that I'm worried at all after week one about Tampa Bay. I um, wouldn't be. The Saints were my pick for the Super Bowl. So, yeah. And that's kind of my point here, right? Because the loss to New Orleans seems so devastating to some people, but they're a top five team in the league, top five offense and top five defense. And that's why I'm not discouraged by those results because, look, if you have Brady, he threw, he threw two touchdowns and rushed for another touchdown despite the ugly interceptions. He still finished as the fantasy QB 12 prior to Monday night games. And I've said all, all offseason that Brady was one of my targets at quarterback because his floor is a QB 1 uh, with huge upside. And if this ugly week one game was his floor, then I'm very happy to start him every week going forward. 
You know I was not in on uh, drafting Brady. I, I still think that his price for me was a little high, but, but he did very well. I did not expect him to have near as good of a game week one. Yeah, and then as for the running backs here, I know you're a big Ronald Jones guy. He was the clear workhorse in week one with Fournette barely mixing in. And I expect a touchdown or more against a much worse run defense uh, in Carolina this week. He broke some big runs. Um, I've got Jones as a low-end RB2 with upside. Do you have him higher? No, I, I have him in that same spot. But he looked like a completely different player than anything I'd ever seen him look like before. Okay. Um, so I think here's where we might differ. What are your thoughts on selling Jones after week two if he has a huge game against the Panthers? Well, you're, you, you, are you still thinking that Keyshawn Vaught is going to come and do something as the running back five on the depth chart? <laughs> no, yeah, no. But if he does well against the Panthers, I will very happily bank my win and keep Ronald Jones on my roster. Okay. I think my concern here is that even though he did get a ton of touches in week one, we have to remember that Fournette was a very late signing in the preseason, still getting integrated into that offense. And I do think that we're going to see a little bit more Fournette as the season progresses. Do you think it's it's going to be mostly I hope you're Jones right. as a dynasty uh, dynasty roster of Leonard Fournette? I really, really hope you're <laughs> right. But uh, oh boy, does he have me uh, pessimistic right now? Okay, um, I, you know, I, I just think that Jones is going to have some big weeks in this Tampa Bay offense, but I still I don't think... know what Fournette gives him that Jones doesn't. I really don't. And not anymore. Okay. I mean, it's, it's not college anymore, Lenny. I'm sorry. I, I just think that Fournette looked pretty good on his very limited snaps as well. So it, it does seem like more of a split. Yards. Well, okay. I mean, he, he got stuffed on those runs, but in general, he looked like he had the burst. Ronald Jones didn't get stuffed. <laughs> All right, fair enough. We'll, we'll agree to disagree on this backfield uh, discussion as I knew we would. Yeah, my bigger concern is Chris Godwin, though. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, left that game late uh, against the Saints with a head injury, reportedly potentially a concussion. Yeah. Um, I mean... <laughs> they were just banged up in general. Uh, and yeah. Mike Evans wasn't 100% with that hamstring injury. People thought that he was going to sit out week one, and he actually ended up playing, but still drew a tough start against Marshawn Lattimore. Yeah. I, I think you're starting Evans and Godwin both confidently if they play, right, against the Panthers? Yes, absolutely, without question against the Panthers. And if Godwin cannot go for the concussion, or I think the smarter, smarter play might be to just even you know, give him the week off, potentially. I think Scotty Miller is a very not sexy, but very shrewd ad. Throw him in the slot. Tom Brady loves the slot. I think he sees eight-plus targets if, if Godwin doesn't go. Yeah, he already saw plenty against the Saints in week one. Six, yep. Um. And then, you know, again, we'll, we'll agree to disagree, I'm sure, here on Gronk. Oh, I know. Yeah. No. <laughs> uh, just two catches for 11 yards uh, compared to O.J. Howard's four catches for 36 yards and a touchdown. But I'm still optimistic on Gronk. He played 54 offensive snaps to Howard's 37. So even though Howard, uh, you know, outproduced him, uh, Gronk had more opportunity. Uh, they even had a design tight end screen for him that got sniffed out by the Saints and was just a dead play. But I'll stand by Gronk, and I would absolutely still start him against Carolina as a low-end tight end one this week. At this point, I'm just trying to save you from yourself. If he caught that screen, he would have then had 
three catches for probably 20 yards. Oh, even with that, OJ Howard doubled him in catches, tripled him in receiving yards and doubled him in targets with a touchdown. I don't know what more you're trying to see or find here. Gronkowski is done. Please just move on. (laughs) Save your family. Think of the children. If, uh, if Gronk flops against uh, this Carolina defense, then maybe I'll start to come around. But as of right now, I'm still starting Gronk, and I'll, I'll stand by that. I, I, don't, I don't know what it is you're saying. Like, one of Brady's interceptions was because Rob Gronkowski is completely and utterly done as a tight end route runner. Sure, he's in more snaps. Great. How many of those snaps were running plays? Yeah, that's a fair point. Um I mean, the exact per- if you go back to the draft tape on, on OJ Howard three years back or might be four years ago now, the knock on OJ Howard was not as great of as a run blocker, which he actually has developed as. But if you're going to use Gronk in the run blocking game and then put OJ Howard in the spot that he was designed to be in that Evan Ingram role, which I mean, he outclasses. I, I love Evan Ingram, but he outclasses Evan Ingram as a physical specimen. OJ Howard has legitimate top six tight end upside this year. I'm not going after it, but I think it's there. Okay. Uh, again, I knew what well, we would agree to disagree on this point, but you know, yeah. still worth mentioning. Sure. Um, and then also worth mentioning real quick too: the Buccaneers defense held breeze to under 200 passing yards, held Kamara to 16 rushing yards, despite the touchdowns. Yeah. Uh, you, you know, you're not benching McCaffrey, but I do think that this is a great defense to stream, especially if whoever, took Tampa Bay, uh, you know, is dropping them after week one, after that zero point outing. Completely agree. Completely agree. Um, very good defense. They should serve you very well for the rest of the season. All right. Los Tampa Bay. Yes. Yes. All right. I guess we, uh, agreed on one part of this section. Two. What was the other? Oh, the defense wide receivers. Oh, yes, yes, correct. All right, um, let's move on then to the Sunday afternoon games. Washington at Arizona. Not a great showing for Dwayne Haskins, but he did enough to get it done. Got the win, uh, upset the Eagles, the division rivals, and the team with no name is 1-0. Maybe that's all it it took. Uh, You you take a team away from, a name away from the team, and the other players just can't find them. Yeah, and uh, you know Terry McLaurin, a uh, kind of disappointing day for him, but he's still going to be heavily involved in that offense. You're still starting him in that wide receiver three or flex spot with fair confidence. Um, and then I think the big surprise here in the receiving game was Logan Thomas, who some people talked up a little bit uh, as a sleeper preseason. Um, I, I had an article about him, but certainly didn't expect this strong performance as soon as week one. Don't pay for it. Don't worry about it. Yeah, I, I don't think he's a priority waiver wire ad, but if you're streaming, I think you could do worse, uh, especially against Arizona, unless you think Buda Baker has really locked that down. Uh, I think he, I mean, if they limited Kittle in that way, I think tight end is not a spot to target Arizona anymore. Um, I think they are going to struggle against uh, Terry McLaurin, and for that reason, I'm not too concerned about Logan Thomas being there to cause too much production. Okay, and then what about the split between Peyton Barber, who had two rushing touchdowns, uh, versus Antonio Gibson? Are you still... You're trying to make me puke, huh? <laughs> Are, uh, do you feel confident trotting out Gibson in that flex spot? Never. 
Okay. No. <laughs> not never. Just not this week. Okay. Fair enough. Um, just you know. not this week. Definite hold. Um, don't be, don't be too let down by that. Uh, Peyton Barber was annoying to Ronald Jones. Um, last year i don't expect this to last um like i said they they don't have a great matchup regardless so i'm not slotting gibson in to many of these lineups in this opening season but week seven week nine because they're off week eight i think that's when antonio gibson is going to start to slot in as like a potential i see him as a potential league winner don't you know don't don't call me you know don't don't pin me to it i'm not I'm not you know calling my shot or anything but this is a guy with the talent to, to and the chops to get it done in the receiving game um i mean what ron rivera called him said that he was a lot like christian mccaffrey right yeah i, I wouldn't be too discouraged by the barber uh touchdowns but it is concerning if he continues to see that goal line roll hopefully if you if you drafted gibson uh, you you have two reliable running backs uh, over him that you can I start and hold him on the bench for right now. Uh, yeah. But certainly don't panic and drop Antonio Gibson. As you said, the upside is still very much there. Immense. And on the uh, Cardinals side, you know, I, I had Aaron Rodgers and Kyler Murray in a league and I, I benched Rodgers and I was regretting that decision for, you know, the first three hours of that Sunday. But uh, <laughs> Kyler Murray certainly came through as well, uh, mostly on the ground, 100 rushing yards prior to his two kneel downs to seal, seal the game. Uh you know, this is what we talked about, right? That rushing floor and upside. And that's why he was drafted so highly. Yep. He should have a quarterback one floor every single week, regardless of big output and touchdown numbers from the passing standpoint. And he delivered. Yeah. And there was some debate too about DeAndre Hopkins, how much target volume he would see, whether he would integrate into that offense right away. I apologize for that. Wow. It's, uh, I mean, is it too early? 16 targets. I don't know who saw that coming. I don't know if DeAndre Hopkins thought he was going to have 16 targets. Yeah, that's, uh, I mean, I, I know I was a little bit off of DeAndre Hopkins. I still had him ranked as a as a wide receiver one, just not a top five guy. And yeah, I had him as number seven, but, well, I don't know if I would move him much. I'd have him higher than Godwin probably, but not much higher than that. Yeah, we talked some about him on our preseason. Tyreek. No, uh, I would move him over Tyreek. Yeah, that's, that's, I mean, I mean, it's, it's a moot point now. But yeah, I mean, whatever. especially with Michael Thomas with that high ankle sprain, uh, I'm sure a lot of people are disappointed with that. But you know, you can't predict yeah, injury. It's not happening. Um, and then what about Christian Kirk? Are you panicking? I know you were never that high on him to begin with. I was higher on right. him. I'm not panicking because I didn't buy him much. I know you did. Um, so are you panicking? I I don't think. He's probably not worth dropping just yet, but um, as a, as somebody who's really big on him, what do you think? I am not panicking, but okay. I will say, ironically enough, I did drop him tonight um, oh. in a very shallow league where wide sure, receiver sure. is plentiful. And mm-hmm. you know who I dropped him for? Mm, no, no, I don't. I, I, I'm not on your computer. Uh, just in case I added Benny Snell because I didn't trust James oh, Conner. That was very smart. And um, so just remember oh, wow, on, shrewd move. on Yahoo and certain platforms where you can drop bench players after their games are done, uh, you know, add those handcuffs prior to the Sunday night, Monday night games. Just to double down in one of my leagues, I slotted Cortland Sutton into my uh, IR spot and added Darrington Evans. There you go. Just in case you never know. Yep. 
All right. Um, I, I'm taking Arizona here. I, I don't trust Washington. We didn't talk about the running backs. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Um, I mean, Kenyon Drake did well, uh, but Chase Edmonds was more involved uh, than expected. Certainly, he caught that receiving touchdown, but I, I still feel confident about Drake as as a mid range RB two here. Yeah, I'm just happy with Chase Edmonds being a solid uh, running back, uh, uh, number two running back on the team, giving Kyler Murray another option in that pass game. I think he's great for Drake, uh, great for the team if uh, if anything were to happen to Drake. But I'm very confident in Kenyon Drake continuing uh, forward as a as a back end one or upside two, a guy that's in your lineup regardless. Is my point. Yeah, and I actually prefer him in that you know seventy percent lead role. Uh, perf- uh, you know, rather than oh, a true yeah. workhorse, he is not, uh, built, uh, to, built to last. Yeah, to maintain, you know, his health. Yep. Um, but I am taking Arizona. I am taking Arizona here too. Yep. All right. Uh, next up, Kansas. I said that like it was going to be some sort of surprise, huh? <laughs> yeah, I don't think this is a a tough one. Uh, nor is this next matchup here where. I, I don't know. Is there ever a time where you would bet against Kansas City, maybe against like Baltimore or New Orleans or something? No, I'm not doing it. Yeah. Not unless uh, not unless we get a hobbled Patrick like uh, with his ankle last year. But, you know, it hurts my heart even to mention it. Yeah, I, I mean, their whole mantra this year is to hashtag run it back. And it, it's tough to see anyone knocking them off the top spot and unless injury strikes. Yeah, um, and with that, with that, uh, with the rookie Clyde Edwards-Alaire running the way he did on uh, on the opening game of the season, whew, that's a tough that's a tough offense to stop. Yeah, I mean he's a must start running back one. Mahomes, you're starting. Oh, yeah. Kelsey, you're starting. Hill, you're starting. Uh, I don't think we need to talk about those guys. Um, what about you? Know who we got to talk about? Oh, we do. <laughs> Week uh, one, Watkins. I mean, are you shocked, but are you picking them up, though? I am not shocked whatsoever. I'm also not picking them up, but I am very, very excited to see what sort of bids I see on Wednesday. If we're looking at $40 or if we're looking at $4, I'm guessing that somebody uh, is going to overspend. I'm guessing many people are going to overspend on Sammy Watkins. Yeah, and I'm I'm here for it. I'll be watching from the sidelines. Um you know, just just don't fall for it. We we've seen He's that so before. Great. It's him and Malcolm Brown. Just DFS week one. That's the way to go. Next year, do it too. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I think some people are overlooking that. You know, Bradley Roby, a great cornerback. You know, really limited Tyree Kill. That's part of the reason mm-hmm. that Watkins was so involved in that offense. Um, and the other thing, I'm I'm curious to see your opinion here, Los, because I know I'm a little bit biased as a big McCole Hardman fan. Mm-hmm. certainly disappointing to see him play so few offensive snaps but at the same time i'm not dropping him where i have him because especially with demarcus robinson committing two real egregious drops both of which would have been touchdowns i think there's a chance that hardman does see a little bit more work in week two I don't think it comes in week two i think you give demarcus robinson a little too hard of a time to be honest um McCall Hardman is very integrated into their special teams game, and I think he is extremely important to them there. So I could see them holding off on expanding his role, saving his energy for those you know high leverage special teams plays. Um, I know the special teams is less important nowadays than it was back when Devin Hester was playing, but but the field position game is still very important, and and Kansas City may have to grind some games out. Um, 
I mean, why not throw it to Sammy Watkins if, if you're that worried about DeMarcus Robinson, right? Yeah, yeah, for sure. And you always have Travis Kelsey. Like, they're not hurting for big-time playmakers. So even if Hardman does get a bigger role, I'm not throwing him into the lineups anytime prior to week eight and week nine, probably, when I can really trust an expanded role. Gotcha. Um, and then final player that I want to touch on here, Daryl Williams. He did see some work. Uh, I think he's a handcuff, not a priority waiver wire target or ad, but someone to, you know, pick up if, uh, if you've got the roster space or in general, if, uh, you know, you just want to load up on those handcuffs. He's a solid guy. I mean, you know, Spencer Ware, Chuck Hendrick West, these old Andy Reid running backs. Uh, if, heaven forbid, anything does happen in Clyde Edwards Alaire, he'll be, you know, a back end running back one. Yeah, and then uh, on the Chargers side here, uh, no more Phillip Rivers, but uh, still a lot of sadness going around. Um, mm. The good the good news, though, is that Mike Williams was able to come back earlier than scheduled. Uh, he had a nice game. Uh, you know, the shoulder doesn't seem to be an, an issue. He came down pretty hard on some of those contested catches, but he made good catches, good plays. Uh, Keenan Allen, too, looked sharp, even though he didn't see the normal target volume he might have uh, you know, had Philip Rivers been playing, I think he's still a fine start as a wide receiver three this week. Um, the big question is, uh, you know, Austin Eckler. What, what are your thoughts on the lack of target share for him? Yeah, I, I, it only took one week, and we're already seeing what we called. And for whatever reason, a lot of people didn't. They thought Tyrod was going to keep that same game plan as Philip Rivers. Tyrod Taylor throws it deep to big receivers. Mike Williams had nine targets he led the team that's not something we saw last year he threw it deep to hunter henry who had a very good game himself he threw one pass to austin eckler i am very worried now you drafted austin eckler probably as your running back too hopefully so as an rb2 i'm not too 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 concerned um worst case scenario flex fine try and find something else but this is why you've got to lock in those running back picks and try and have try and have something successful that you can be confident in going early. Yeah. I mean, so let's say let's real quick, um, take a look at the running backs, right? Sure. If you have Austin Eckler, uh, you know, people are concerned about Nick Chubb as well. Would you rather have Eckler or Chubb? We're talking PPR. No, Ch- Chubb. No question. Okay. Keep in mind, Eckler did very, very well, given what he had to work with. This was against the Bengals' defense. Okay. And then what about Kenyon Drake? No, Drake. There's no question. I I took Drake ahead of Eckler going into the season. All right. Now, what about a guy like Jonathan Taylor? No, Jonathan Taylor all day over over Austin Eckler. Jonathan Taylor has, I think, a top 10 floor right now. I really do. And Austin Eckler has running back to ceiling okay i i am i'm, I'm in agreement uh with you all or agreement uh, i don't think agreement is a word is it it is now oh all right <laughs> well, i'll just call up my grandma Miriam. or was he was that a guy Miriam? Uh, i don't know the word that you just said but uh Miriam webster come on did you go to school oh i, I just didn't get the reference um <laughs> okay now here's an interesting one <laughs> Austin Eckler or J.K. Dobbins? Oh, okay. I see what you're trying to do to me here. 
Whew. Week two or rest of season? Rest of season. I'm saying if that trade's on the table right now. Let me remind myself of Baltimore's schedule coming forward. Houston, Kansas City, Washington, Cincinnati. Dobbins, man. I, I think I'm with you. Yeah. Let's look at the Chargers schedule instead. Just to compare, just to double, be doubly sure, Kansas City, Carolina will be great, but Tampa Bay, New Orleans, then they get the Jets in Miami, which are fine. But Dobbins is going to have the upside, and, and that ties into, we're going to talk about um, Mark Ingram in a bit, so so I, I won't uh, bury the lead there. Well, not that, it, you know, I, I just won't spoil the, the future. Okay, one more for you, and then we'll move on. Okay. What about David Johnson? No, it's David Johnson. Okay, so you so you are trading Eckler for David Johnson. Yes, but I, but I also would have no no I would not have drafted him over David Johnson because I I thought he'd I thought he'd have more than one catch. Is it an overreaction? I don't think so. I, I I actually don't. I don't expect him to have one catch going forward every week, but I don't see him getting more than four. And I think my my problem is even if he gets three or four catches, I don't know how many of those are going to be for touchdowns. I don't know yeah. how often LA is going to score. Um, Tyra did not look great, and the Bengals' defense is not good. And Josh Kelly had 12 carries. Yeah, I, I think. Yeah. I, I know that there's some defending Eckler, but I, I'm not on boards. I I think he's a fine RB2, as you said, but the, the ceiling's not there this year. It's just not there. It's just not there. Uh, yeah, Kelly had the touchdown and the goal line carries. I mean, it, the, those are not high leverage plays for Eckler if he's not getting the catches that he needs to be. Yeah, and, and Kelly will be a guy that we'll talk about on the waiver wire part as well. Sure. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it's Casey, right? Yeah, of course. Yeah, I, I twice. Just Can I pick him to, twice? I just wanted to confirm. Um, yeah, <laughs> this next one though is interesting. I, I, I think it's going to be closer than expected. Baltimore at Houston. Um, man, the Ravens look really good. They, they are just on top of it. Oh, we've got a nice touchdown here to uh, Noah Fant. Hey, hey, there we go. You heard it here first. Well. Maybe maybe you saw the game before you listened to the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, by this time, people will know, but a very nice throw. Uh, you know, we were just talking yesterday. I like I like Drew Locke. I, I, I'm not a, you know, a 100% believer, but I think he's he's got a nice future in the league. I hope he does. I hope John Elway finally got it right. Yeah, I, I think uh, this guy named Lamar Jackson might have a nice future in the league, too. What do you think about that? <laughs> It, for as long as he can stay healthy, he has a shot to be the MVP. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's not much to talk about Jackson or Mark Andrews. Uh, those are locks in your lineup. Uh, Marquise yeah. Brown, uh, is he a, a solid wide receiver two or still wide receiver three? Okay. Um, especially against this Houston secondary. I, I do like Brown quite a bit. Um, there is nobody on that team that can keep up with him. Well, I was going to say the only thing that would concern me a little bit is if they do shadow again with Roby because he did limit Hill to an extent. Um, But again, I think there are going to be enough plays where Jackson's scrambling around buying time that Brown's going to have time to get open. 
Absolutely. Um, maybe. Okay. Call him a three this week. Regardless, I'm starting him. He's got the upside. Yeah, I, I think this week he's a wide receiver three, depending on your options. But rest of the season, I like him as a wide receiver two. Yeah. Um, okay, so going to, uh, as you alluded to, uh, the Dobbins and Ingram situation, and let's not forget about Gus Edwards. He was still involved, but of course, you know, you're not trusting him in your lineup. But that's part of the, that's part of the Ingram problem. Yeah, uh, I, I don't have Ingram anywhere. I, I might have like one best ball lineup with Ingram, something like that. Um, I mean, the, the Browns, by all accounts, did a pretty darn solid job of limiting this run game outside of Lamar Jackson, uh, truth be told. But Ingram just did not look explosive in the carries that I saw. Um, Dobbins was limited as well, but he was able to scurry around the edge and grab two touchdowns. I think this is going to be a pretty darn split backfield. Uh, and I think it's going to keep progressing in the plus for JK Dobbins. Uh, when we're looking at this week five, week six, I, I think this is going to be Dobbins plus Ingram. Whereas right now it's, it is Ingram plus Dobbins, but it's not going to last. Yeah. And plus it's kind of telling that they're already using Dobbins at the goal line and not Ingram. It, that was the biggest thing for me. Yeah. That's uh I don't think we talked about Ingram on our preseason fades show, but I, I was pretty hard off of him. Um, but then if again, if he fell to me, I, a lot of people were. So if there was a spot, it, it didn't occur. But if there was a spot where he would have fallen to me and I was very needy at running back, I would have considered him. Yeah, well, I was going to say then again, I was very high on Gronk. So who knows? <laughs> Well, hey, you don't have to keep burying yourself. <laughs> um, I mean, we don't need to talk about Boykin or DuVernay or Snead, do we? No, 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 no. Um, and if you got the defense, you're not streaming. You're just starting the Baltimore defense here. For now. Uh, all right. Houston side then. Uh, Sean Watson, uh, are you concerned at all against the Ravens defense? Uh, not enough to bench him, no. Okay. Uh, what about David Johnson? Duke Johnson, it sounds like, has a high ankle sprain, probably going to miss at least one or two weeks, so he's probably the guaranteed workhorse for the foreseeable future here. No, I, I think David um, puts in a solid running back two day here uh, with, with a nice floor. Okay. And then what about the uh, Will Fuller situation and the uh, Brandon Cooks and Randall Cobb? It seems like Fuller really uh, was targeted a ton in week one. Yeah, this uh, looks like a team that very badly misses having a uh, star wide receiver. Um, with Cooks Limited, Fuller saw 10 targets. We know he does not have the durability to last a season long with a workload like that. So enjoy it as a volume wide receiver to play while it lasts. We'll have to see what happens with Cooks here, but Baltimore secondary is very, very good. Um, not not expecting much ceiling out of any of these guys. If you, if you draft them, you probably have to... I would play Fuller. If you drafted Cooks, he went a little later, so you may not be bullied into playing him, but I would avoid him if I could. Um, yeah, low on flex for me this week for Cooks. Uh, Cobb, wide receiver four. You're, you're not relying on him. And then not at all, Fuller, no. I've got as a high end wide receiver three. Yeah, even with Cooks' hamstring issue, Cobb only saw three targets, which I was, I mean, I was, I was surprised at that. I was surprised to see still still out there getting his uh, getting his work. Well, they did trade a pick for him, so. <laughs> oh, trust me, I know. Um, and then finally, uh, would not trust any tight ends yet, but interestingly no. enough to note, 81% uh, offensive snap share for Jordan Aiken, so someone to keep an eye on. 
don't care. I think he could become a bigger part of the offense if, as you said, uh, you know, they don't have a reliable wide receiver one like Hopkins. So if and when Fuller does miss time, then the tight end could get more involved. You're not wrong. You're not wrong. Uh, I mean, kind of like with KC, it's hard to bet against Baltimore here. Not a chance. All right. Um, oh, I just put down Houston for you by accident, but I'll change it to Baltimore. <laughs> I, see, I got to keep an eye on you. <laughs> um, all right. Uh, Are we, oh boy, have we ag- disagreed on any of these yet? Crap. That's yes, not fun. Uh, Minnesota, right? Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, Minnesota and, and Indy. Um, yes. And I think it's hard, uh, you know, in the early weeks because you yeah, do early, still yeah. have those biases from last season, right? Of what you expect a team to be. For sure. All right. Uh, well, maybe we'll disagree on this one. Let's see. Sunday night football. New England at Seattle. Exciting. The Cam Newton era starts off undefeated so far. Um, I mean, two rushing touchdowns. Uh, what do you expect from Cam, right? I was not expecting that, but I am glad to see that he's able to do it. It makes him a heck of a lot more of an exciting player when he can run the football. So, do you have him as a top 12 QB play this week? This week, I do, yeah. Okay, and then where do you have Edelman? Yeah, that's really the only real question here. Um, Certainly not as high as I would have had him with Tom Brady, right? Uh, A three, maybe. Eh. Okay, I mean, he did lead the team in targets with seven, but Nikhil Harry wasn't too far behind with six targets of his own. Not exciting. I'm not excited by any player other than Cam Newton here. Okay. Uh, I mean, he did kind of do it himself uh, on Sunday. Yeah. I think the points can come here versus Seattle, um, but I don't know where they're going to come from. Are you flexing James White or Sony Michelle? Whitehead? Um, I am not. No. Okay. Um, in this one, I think I prefer White. I, I could see this being a, a slightly higher oh, yeah, scoring affair. Oh, yeah, White. Uh, but you know, Michelle did get the touchdown. Uh, so, you know, certainly still a RB four with some upside, I guess. Um, JJ Taylor, a very undersized guy, but ran well four carries for 28 yards, kind of just muddling this backfield along with Rex Burkhead. Um, just really hard to find any value in the running back, uh, committee here by new England as it's been for years, right? Yeah, there is none. Um, Nikhil Harry, do you like him at all for the season? No. <laughs> All right, so you just want Cam. <laughs> yeah, that's that's really it. Um, I, I don't reliably think that Cam's going to successfully continue to find Nikhil Harry. Um, Cam Newton, as great as he is, has not had a history of being great with finding his receivers. Um, I mean, yeah, you don't think he could have a situation. You don't think he could have like a Kelvin Benjamin, just a bunch of jump ball touchdowns at all? No, I don't. All right. I don't. All right, let's move right along then to Seattle. Um, another very mobile quarterback, but certainly more of a passer, Russell Wilson. Uh, he gets a tough matchup against New England, but not as tough as it would have been prior to all the opt-outs. Um, certainly uh, looks to be in MVP shape so far, throwing for 322 yards, four touchdowns, and just four incompletions uh, in that entire game against Atlanta. Uh, at home, no 12th man, but still a very favorable game here for him. Uh, you know, you're starting Russell Wilson if you drafted him because you 
clearly reached in rounds five or six for him and it may pay off for you now this is the only time you're going to hear me say this this is the first year where i am actually regretting not reaching for a quarterback really okay because i would have tapped into some unlimited potential here (laughs) because this man is not going to be stopped if they're changing this offense the way we saw this week this this offense has top nfc offense potential if they can just let russ cook and they did week one and it was a thing of glory yeah uh not a whole lot to add there uh chris carson also uh did pretty well uh you're starting him as a solid rb2 maybe even rb1 in some instances uh and then dk metcalf and tyler lockett both did pretty well now don't get me wrong I was very excited to see the 20-point day for Chris Carson, but I have to say that the hairs on my neck are sticking up a little bit, seeing that it was only on six carries. I think a lot of I think this might have skirted under the radar a lot. He only had six carries. He had six targets, which he caught all of, and he had some insane efficiency. Two receiving touchdowns are great, but he was just six for 21 on the ground. He gave up goal line carries to Travis Homer, not even Car- well, yes, Carlos Hyde, but also Travis Travis Homer, which is a bit of a red flag for me. Uh, now I'm not saying, you know, sell high, get off them immediately, but just pay attention this week to what this backfield does. Um, I, I think a lot of people would be surprised to see that he only had six of the 16 running back carries that were in the game. Um, especially given Seattle's game plan last year of basically 30 plus carries per game for the running backs. Um, like I said, hairs are sticking up, not scared yet. Yeah, I think I'm even less concerned than you because that passing game involvement really keeps his floor pretty high. Um, so, but that can go away so quickly, you know. Not, I mean, not if you're saying they're going to let Russ cook because Carson's going to get those I'm receptions. Hoping. Yeah, I mean, I'm not I'm hoping we get an unlimited offense here. <laughs> I guess I'm, I don't I'm know saying I'm not selling Carson. I'm not worried about him if I no, have no, him. No, no, don't sell this week. But. And, uh, know. you know, same with Lockett and Metcalf. touches next week. I don't know. Yeah, but, I mean, same with Lockett and Metcalf, you know. I'm not worried about them. You're starting them at wide receiver, too, even oh, against yeah. a tough New England defense, right? Uh, less tough than it's been, but, yeah. It's, Are you I worried mean, about Gilmore shadowing Metcalf at all? That's the one that I would move off of, yeah. I mean, if I was going to move off of anybody. I, I'd put him in my flex, though. Okay, so Metcalf, more of a wide receiver three, Lockett still a wide receiver two? Yeah, solid two. Okay, and uh, what about Greg Olson? He caught the touchdown uh, against the Falcons. Uh, Do you think he's a pretty solid stream play this week or no? Good for him. I'm very happy for him, but I think when things are operating the the way they want to, I think they want Will Disley in there. I don't know. Call me nuts, but this guy is he's like Deadpool or something. I don't know. It's like, he just keeps getting these devastating injuries and there he is. Yeah. I mean, I like Olsen as a high end tight end too this week. Um, you know, one of two veteran tight ends we touched on, uh, Tyler Eifert being uh, the other and clearly Eifert has not worked out, but maybe there is hope yet, uh, for Greg Olson. This maybe. one, uh, you know, honestly, so. <laughs> uh, what swings this matchup for me is Jamal Adams, and I'm going to take Seattle at home. Uh, what swings this matchup for me is that Seattle is going to crush the Patriots by 10 points this week. 
Okay, I guess uh, we will agree yet again. Uh, I'm glad we do have one I disagreement. I thought for sure that you would go Patriots, but I, wow. I, you I, moved quick, man. <laughs> I keep thinking I keep thinking about that uh, playoff game where Cam threw that pick to Cam Chancellor, the pick six, and I could see that mm-hmm. exact thing happening again, but with Jamal Adams. Yeah, I could see that too. Um, in fact, if, if there's a prop bet, I'm going to look it up and I'll probably put it on that. <laughs> there you go. Um, all right. So we are both taking Seattle here. Monday night football, the new Orleans saints at the Las Vegas Raiders, the brand new stadium, the unveiling of, uh, what is it called now? The death star unofficially. Mm-hmm. Very cool. Very cool stuff we've got here. I'm sure we'll hear uh, a lot about it. Like we heard about SoFi stadium, uh, Sunday nights. Uh, it seemed mm-hmm. like uh, we heard about that stadium a little bit even more than the game at, at times. <laughs> but uh, certainly, certainly a beautiful stadium, though, especially if you watched Hard Knocks. Um, you know, after after the whole COVID situation is resolved, hopefully uh, we'll get to see it one day. Uh, That'd but be great. The big question here: Michael Thomas's high ankle sprain. We mentioned it before. It sounds like he's planning to play through it, but. It's kind of scary. If you're a Thomas owner, you kind of almost want him to sit a week or two. It's you know you want that elite wide receiver back to full health. You don't want you know we've seen with Julio Jones in past years where he's kind of active, but you don't know how involved he's going to be, right? Yeah, I mean we the high ankle it, it comes and it, and it sticks around. We saw it hurt Saquon last year. We saw it hurt um, I think Fournette and one other big name, right? Yeah, I mean, just in general, high ankle sprains are not good news for running backs, wide receivers, anyone who has to cut. Uh, I mean, really, depending on your options, would you consider just sitting Thomas since he plays on Monday night? Not against the Raiders, I wouldn't. Uh, But if you don't have any Monday night options, are you rolling the dice? I would do my best to make sure Emmanuel Sanders was on my roster. Okay, that was going to be my very next follow-up because I do think that Sanders is going to be a great start uh, if Thomas is out. Um, and yeah. potentially Traquan Smith uh, worth a wide receiver four or deep flex as well. It could be. It absolutely could be. Um, haven't seen him do that much since drafting. That's that's why I lean the Emmanuel Sanders route. Um, but, yeah, you know, who knows? Yeah, and of course you're starting Jared Cook, uh, especially if Thomas is out. Yeah, I think we could see a little more for Cook. We saw seven targets here. I don't think that's what was expected, but seven's a nice number for a tight end. (laughs) The magic tight end number, seven for you? There you go. Hey, if you're getting seven targets, then you're practically a tight end one every week. Yeah. All right. Um, Let's move on then. Uh, Oh, of course, you're starting Drew Brees, regardless of Michael Thomas here. Yeah. Um, A little less work than I would have expected for Alvin Kamara. Honestly, not a great day. But as you alluded to, the Buccaneers defense was very good. He still had a very nice day with uh, with the two touchdowns. He seems to mask the uh, yardage issues with touchdowns, which is a great problem to have. Yeah, he's fine because they keep him involved in the passing game and on screens. And as you said, I do think the the matchup was part of the reasons he only saw 12 carries. Um, you know, the Tampa Bay run defense, one of the best in the league. I think they kind of wanted to pound Latavius Murray more uh, in, yeah. in that game, but not I worried know, about. I you don't care much for Murray, but I, I still think he's probably an end of the bench guy. I, I think he is. I just don't think he's a top handcuff. I think that was my point before. Yeah, I, I still lean that he is. This offense is just so good. 
but I think for those screens and, and the pass catches that, that Kamara got the touchdowns on, I think that might go to Ty Montgomery if Kamara were it, out. It, it might. It might. Or it might go to um, the quarterback, too. Oh, Taysom Hill. <laughs> Taysom Hill. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Too bad you, you can't start him at uh, anything other than quarterback in most leagues. He should be startable at tight end. I will petition for this. Yeah, I, th- I think some leagues the commish has custom settings where they've decided that, but for the most part, no. you cannot. Not well. All right, the Raiders side here. Josh Jacobs set career highs in targets, receptions, and snaps played against Carolina. Um, even though the Raiders re-signed Jalen Richard, signed Devontae Booker, spent a third-round pick on Lynn Bowden, uh, they finally utilized Jacobs as a true workhorse, and I'm very angry uh, because... I was off Jacobs in a lot of drafts because of all these signings that seemingly indicated. It's called insurance. It's called finding other options only if they're needed. Right. Well, my my saltiness aside, uh, Jacobs has top five (laughs) running back upside behind this offensive line, especially if he's going to be used, uh, you know, he's basically a league winner if he's a workhorse who also gets uh, carries and catches. Just don't expect, you know, three touchdowns from this week, but you know, not this week, but uh, you're not sitting him. He's an RB one. Exactly. Four catches, 46 yards. That's, that's the Josh Jacobs. We we wanted to see coming out of college. Yeah. Since his Alabama days, we knew his potential. We just didn't see it as a rookie. Yep. All right. uh, Darren Waller. He was the target leader last week. He's a safe back end tight end one based on volume. Ruggs, he's a decent wide receiver for our flex option most weeks, but I would fade him against this top five Saints defense uh, that the Buccaneers really struggled against. And uh, the other thing is I've long said the Brian Edwards is an interesting prospect, but just unlikely to produce a whole lot in redraft. In my opinion, he's not worth rostering right now in most shallow leagues, 10 or 12 team. Uh, what are your thoughts on Edwards? It's just the three players. It's just Ruggs, Jacobs, and Waller. Okay. Um, maybe Carr for some streaming matchups, but again, not this week, right? You do a lot more super flex than me, but yeah. Yeah. All right. Uh, New Orleans, yeah. I will take the Saints. Okay. That is going to do it for our previews here. Let's move on to the injury news and the waiver wire ads. Thankfully, uh, no major quarterback injuries this week, so we'll move right along to the running backs. Uh, Marlon Mack, uh, that Achilles tear, he is confirmed out for the season. Really sad to see, but it's going to be Taylor and Hines going forward in this backfield, and we'll talk about Hines very shortly. Mack can be dropped in all redraft formats. Le'Veon Bell with the hamstring strain. We talked about him as well. Questionable for week two, but probably not playing uh, you know, we talked about Miles Sanders' hamstring in our preseason show, uh, mentioning Boston Scott, and these soft tissue injuries are limiting and can get aggravated again if players push to return too soon. And unfortunately, that's what happened here with Bell. So stay tuned on updates regarding his practice status, but again, likely out for at least a week or two. Boston Scott with that mysterious unknown injury questionable for this week. He left that game in the second half, and we've yet to hear any updates, so... Just keep an eye out on news, I guess. Duke Johnson with a high ankle sprain. He's doubtful for week two, reportedly week to week. David Johnson should be a workhorse for the foreseeable future here. Miles Sanders with a hamstring strain. He's questionable for week two. 
The Eagles played it safe with Sanders by sitting him week one, and given all the hamstring injuries we saw, uh, it might have been the smart call here. Um, We saw other players like Devontae Parker aggravate their injuries by trying to return too quickly. So monitor Sanders in practice this week. It sounds like he will have a chance to return, though. David Montgomery with his groin strain likely to play in week two. Montgomery split snaps with Cohen and Patterson in week one, and he was active and effective as well. Expect him to play again against the Giants, but that workload split could still be a concern until he's 100% healthy, and maybe even beyond that if the Chicago coaching staff wants to preserve him. And that'll take us into some of the wide receivers that were injured this week. Uh, the big name, unfortunately, Michael Thomas with that high ankle sprain. He's questionable for week two, but likely to pe- likely to play. Sorry. The reports are that it was a mild sprain, so he should be okay in a good matchup versus the Raiders. But keep an eye on his status this week. He could be active, but not see much work. Could see some decoy work. Devontae Parker with a hamstring strain. He is doubtful for, to go for week two. An aggravation of the hamstring injury is usually worse than the initial injury. So the concern for Parker is higher than it is for a player like Bell, who we just talked about. Parker might miss a couple weeks here. So we're going to talk about uh, Preston Williams in just a few minutes as a high-priority waiver ad. Kennedy, Kenny Galladay also with the hamstring strain is questionable for week two. Yet another hamstring injury. Matt Patricia learned from Bill Belichick to give away no information on injuries, if possible. So we just don't really know. Uh, Keep an eye on his practice uh, status this week. Henry Ruggs with the knee sprain. He's likely to go week two. He sprained his knee while being tackled, but was able to return and finish out the game versus Carolina. Barring any setbacks this week, he should be all right to play versus New Orleans on Monday night with an extra day to heal. Mike Evans also with a hamstring strain. He's likely to go week two. He looked fairly mobile after surprisingly being active versus New Orleans in week one. His lack of production could have been a combination of not being 100% and seeing tough coverage against Marshawn Lattimore. With another week to heal and facing Carolina's Swiss cheese secondary, he should be full systems go for week two. Mike Williams with his shoulder injury is likely to go for week two. He beat the initial recovery timeline and still looked great in week one, even after landing hard after some contested catches. He should be fine to start again this week. Jalen Rager with shoulder injury likely to play week two. Rager had a quiet day against Washington, but sometimes no news is good news. There's little concern for him to miss next week's game after being able to play versus Washington in week one. And Sean Jackson, unknown what's going on. Could be the back. Likely to play week two. He tweeted out after the game he's not hurt, but there were rumors of a back issue leading to him sitting out some offensive series. He's an iffy flex for now until we see him play through and produce in an entire game. There may not be any more official updates on this, but it's something to keep an eye out. And Cortland Sutton with the shoulder injury, he's out this current week. He's questionable for week two with the AC joint sprain. Um, hopefully this can week, uh, can heal itself in the coming week. Hopefully can return to practice with a full participation tag. Yep. And then the tight ends here, Blake Jarwin with that torn ACL. He's out for the season. Big fan of Jarwin coming into this year and it sucks to see that get cut short right away, but we'll see how much Dalton Schultz produces in his absence, but Jarwin is droppable in all redraft formats. David Njoku with a knee sprain, he was placed on IR, so his earliest return is week five. Njoku's absence makes Hooper a little bit more enticing at tight end, but when both are healthy, it's probably going to be a messy situation out there in terms of target share, and Njoku doesn't need to be rostered in most formats. 
George Kittle with the hyperextended knee, questionable for week two. He was able to finish the game, but failed to contribute much in the second half against Arizona. And again, this is similar to an injury he suffered last year against Arizona also, uh, where he finished the game but then missed the following two weeks. So keep an eye out on this one. And that'll take us into our uh, our waiver wire column. Um, waiver wires for the quarterbacks here. Ryan Tannehill is owned 33% in ESPN, 45 in Yahoo. Phillip Rivers was not able to take advantage, but Jacksonville secondary has some major issues. Tannehill is a nice streaming option this week, assuming he makes it through the Denver defense tonight. Gardner Minshew. 15% on ESPN, 26% on Yahoo. Minshew continues to advocate for franchise quarterback status, and his rushing production makes him a very safe streamer. Baker Mayfield, 29% in ESPN, 57% in Yahoo. Mayfield and the, and the Browns in general did look awful against Baltimore, but that's a top-five defense. Cincy, on the other hand, is a bottom-five defense. A bounce back might just well be in store for Cleveland on Thursday night. Yep, and the running back ads, really the big priorities here. Uh, Naeem Hines, 34% owned on ESPN, 20% on Yahoo. He's not quite as good as Austin Eckler, but heavy PPR volume from Phillip Rivers could allow him to finish the season as a flex or even an RB2 in PPR formats. There aren't many RB2s floating around on the waiver wire, so don't be afraid to spend a significant chunk, chunk of fab dollars on him this week. Benny Snell, 15% owned on ESPN, 12% on Yahoo. James Conner, uh, questionable for week two. He left early uh, in tonight's game against New York. Uh, we'll wait for updates, but the ankle injury could be potentially serious. And if it's not good, then Snell would be the priority pickup. Uh, and side note, this is why you add handcuffs whenever possible for these Sunday or Monday night games. Uh, as we talked about earlier, uh, if you can drop guys on the bench uh, for these handcuffs, it's worth uh, adding them just in case. Malcolm Brown, 8% owned in ESPN, 27% in Yahoo. Brown really exploded in week one of last year as well uh, with the goal line roll with before fading away, but that was against an entrenched starter in Todd Gurley. Brown could be a solid tight end dependent RB3 for the year if he forces a timeshare with Akers. Joshua Kelly, we talked about a little bit, 11% owned on ESPN, 13% on Yahoo. The camp reports didn't lie as Kelly was heavily involved and looked good against the Bengals. He'll be a touchdown dependent flex play, but he's got upside as well if Eckler were to miss time. And then Jarek McKinnon, 16% uh, on ESPN, 11% Yahoo. Mostert's the lead back here with Coleman and McKinnon fighting for the scraps, but McKinnon has PPR flex upside week to week. An RB2 potential or more if Mostert were to miss time. James Robinson, 29% on ESPN, 56% on Yahoo. Robinson seems to be the main first and second down back on the ground, but it's hard to see a huge ceiling for him with Jacksonville, likely to trail in many games and offensive scoring efficiency in question. Daryl Williams, 20% owned on ESPN, 23% on Yahoo. CEH is the primary back, but Williams got enough work on third downs to be a decent bi-week PPR flex option, and he has running back one upside if CEH were to miss time. Adrian Peterson, 21% owned on uh, ESPN, 46% on Yahoo. It's probably best to avoid this Lions running back by committee altogether, but in deeper leagues, Peterson did get a lot of run ahead of carry-on and Swift, despite just being signed a couple of weeks ago. 
He's a desperation RB4 or flex depending on the week. Miles Gaskin, 0% in ESPN, 1% uh, in Yahoo. It's hard to trust any Miami running back, but Gaskin inexplicably saw the most work ahead of Howard and Breda. He's worth an ad in deeper formats where running back depth is non-existent. Corey Clement, 5% in ESPN, 2% Yahoo. In the unlikely scenario that both Scott and Sanders were to miss week two, Clement would be a volume-based flex play with some RB2 upside. And Frank Gore, 3% owned in ESPN, 4% Yahoo, and Josh Adams not owned anywhere. Hopefully you're in a deep 16 or 20 team league if you're relying on these guys, but with Le'Veon Bell likely out a couple weeks with that hamstring injury, both are slated to see work in that backfield. As for some of the wide receivers we talked about earlier, Preston Williams currently only owned uh, 68% in ESPN and 38 in Yahoo with Devontae Parker potentially out for multiple weeks here. Williams has wide receiver one upside given the potential target volume he could see from Fitzpatrick. In fact, that's what he was last year. Uh, the only concern is that he's coming back from his ACL tear last year. So we'll see how much Miami is willing to work him in. He should be owned in 100% of the leagues. Russell Gage, 4% and 2%. Gage tied Julio and Ridley with 12 targets apiece and nine catches apiece and looks to be a big part of this passing offense. With Atlanta's defense again looking like it's going to force Matt Ryan into shootouts, Gage is a solid flex play most weeks with the potential to finish the year as a wide receiver too. Paris Campbell, 30% in ESPN, 22 in Yahoo. Campbell played on over 80% of the offensive snaps and tied T.Y. Hilton to lead the team in targets with nine each. He's a big play waiting to happen anytime he touches the ball and is a boomer bust wide receiver three this week in a good matchup versus Minnesota. Robbie Anderson, 68% in ESPN, 31% in Yahoo. Anderson and Samuel each saw eight targets, just one less than DJ Moore's nine. Both could be viable flex plays going forward with Carolina likely to be passing the ball a lot while trailing in games. Brandon Ayuk, 25% in ESPN, 34% in Yahoo. With Debo Samuel back in week four at the earliest, Ayuk could see a high target share over the next few weeks with no other San Francisco wide receivers having really stepped up in week one. And if George Kittle's limited or out with a knee injury, Ayuk would have a weak winning upside with high projected target volume. LaVisca Chenault, 7% in ESPN, 12% in Yahoo. With no established receiving options behind DJ Chark, Chenault could emerge as the number two in this offense, with Jacksonville throwing the ball a lot this year. Add in his usage as a runner as well, and Chenault has high weekly upside. And McCole Hardman, 63 in ESPN, 53 in Yahoo. Hardman is rostered in most leagues, of course, but this is a reminder to not give up on players with league-winning upside after just one week, especially when Demarcus Robinson committed two egregious drops versus Houston, which could lead to an expanded role for Hardman as soon as week two. As for the tight ends, we've got Dallas Goddard as the priority, 27% owned in ESPN, 55% in Yahoo!, Goddard led the team in targets and played on 80% of the offensive snaps. He should be a priority ad for anyone who doesn't have a top three tight end. Chris Herndon, 41% in ESPN, 52 in Yahoo. Herndon failed to produce much against a tough Bills offense, uh, excuse me, tough Bills defense and shouldn't be started against another tough matchup against the Niners, but his target share and snap share dictate that he'll be useful in fantasy this season. Logan Thomas, 1% ESPN, 2% Yahoo. With Washington bereft of wide receiver talent behind Terry McLaurin, Thomas led the team in targets against the Eagles and scored their only passing touchdown. 
He's a tight end streamer who could turn into a reliable option. Greg Olson, 9% ESPN, 26% Yahoo. As long as he's healthy, Russell Wilson's tight end has upside, especially if Pete Carroll lets Russ cook this year. He's a touch, touchdown-dependent tight end too, but could see a lot of tight end, uh, excuse me, a lot of touchdowns in that efficient Seattle offense. And for a couple stream-worthy defenses, we have the Tampa Bay DST, 43% owned at ESPN and 24 in Yahoo. It is too early to write off a top Tampa defense just because they failed to stop a top five Saints offense. They should find plenty more success versus an iffy Carolina offense. If they fail versus Carolina, then they can be dropped. Tennessee, 22% in ESPN, 50% Yahoo. We'll see how they do tonight versus Denver. Thus far, they've held them to seven points before the half, but the defense should be able to get after Gardner Minshew for some sacks, potentially a turnover or two as well. And the Arizona DST. Their defense is not great, but they get the Jets at home this week. And so they are well worth a shot if no better options are available. Yeah, and that will just about do it uh, for the show. Um, hopefully, if you're listening to this, you're 1-0. and I think I misspoke. I think they get the Redskins, or the uh, Washington football team. But regardless. Sorry, what was that? Oh, the Arizona? The Washington football team, yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, hopefully uh, you guys are listening. You're 1-0, and not 0-1, but... If you are uh, if you are starting off the year with a loss, there's plenty of time left. And as always, if you have more specific questions regarding your team or league, we're happy to help. Uh, just send us questions on Twitter. You can find me at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. And you can find me at FFA underscore Los, L-O-S, Los. You can find us on iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. So go ahead and hit that su- subscribe button. Hit that subscribe button so you don't miss any of our upcoming podcast episodes. They'll be waiting for you in the morning. Yeah, and as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just axing it. Thanks, addicts. Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen. Real results, real care, real about recovery. Jeep Freedom Days are here, where right now, well-qualified returning FCA lessees get a low-mileage lease on the 2022 Grand Cherokee WK Laredo E4x4 for $369 a month for 36 months with $3,799 due at signing. Tax title license extra. No security deposit required. Call 1-888-925-JEEP for details. Requires dealer contribution, at least across their capital. Lessee is responsible for termination fees. Current lease must end by 7-3-23. Extra charge for miles over 30000 Residency restrictions apply. Take delivery by 7-5-22. JEEP is a registered trademark.